New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare, MyHealthPolicy.com. Hi, it's Jerry the King Lawler, and you're tuned in to the Don Tony and Kevin Castle Show. I don't know why you are, but you are. Yo, man, I'm the, I'm the fucking, you want to talk to me, motherfucker? I'm the fucking button. I'm the boss. Ooh, ooh, ah, ah, can you handle this? Can you handle this? Ooh, ooh, ah, ah, can you handle this? Can you handle this? Ooh, ooh, retard, can you handle this? Can you handle this? Ooh, ooh, retard, can you handle this? Can you handle this? Ooh, ooh, ah, ah, can you handle this? Can you handle this? Ooh, ooh, ah, ah, can you handle this? Can you handle this? Hey, what's up, everyone? We are back. Cohesive unit. Don Tony and Kevin Castle show, August 13, 2018. I am Don Tony, and he is. Kevin Castle. What's up, DT? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, we're actually back after, what, two weeks of uh, not doing a show together. Yeah, two weeks uh, letting, the, letting the Patreon things uh, go into the mainstream, as we say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, hope you all enjoyed the little uh, mixing it up a little bit two weeks ago, getting a breakfast soup sample of what we do on Patreon, and last week getting a Castle Chronicles sample of what we do on Patreon. And once again, patreon.com slash Tony. Sign up as little as five bucks. Get access of hundreds of hours of current podcasts that are exclusive of Patreon. I just put up a February 2006. Was it February? It was either February or December 2006. Uh, lost episode of the Minority Report that has not been heard since 2006. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I've been going through old hard drives. And I've been, I said this a couple of times on the Breakfast Soup what I, you know, going back 12, 15, 20 years, I used to use these external hard drives and I just stored them away. And about 13 years ago, one of them crashed on me and I was able to recover about 90% of the files, but they were all renamed. So really? instead of uh, Minority Report February 2004, it's uh, X question mark, you know, backspace Y, three, five, and I have to go through each individual file to basically see what the hell was on it. So I found some wild, wild shit. Wow. What was the, the episode that you just posted? Who was hosting that? Was well, it all believe it or, or not, you were sick. It okay. was myself, Joey924, Black Moses. Chris, uh, Chris Cash came on for a little while, but in the episode, we actually mentioned it. You were sick. This oh, okay. was the day after Christian won the TNA heavyweight title, and they announced that Bret Hart was going to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Wow. Fe I, actually, I remember now, February 13, 2006. Yeah, that sounds like flu season. I was probably <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, um, you know, we're going to get into quite a few things tonight. I strongly recommend for everyone out there that, uh, you know, we do combinations of shows. Sometimes it's, you know, Mish and I, you and Mish. Sometimes it's uh, Mish, Joey Numbers and you. But very rarely is it ever yours truly and Joey numbers. 
And tomorrow, uh, I'm going to be taping a, a part of Breakfast with Blasi a night early because Joey Numbers is going to be coming on and he and I are going to battle it out like you would not believe as far as the CM Punk Colt Cabana lawsuit. He is totally behind Colt Cabana. I am totally behind CM Punk. And I will tell you that up until a couple of years ago, I never really liked debating people. Now I love the challenge. I go for the jugular. Like, it's all in good fun. After we're done, we have a nice drink, a beer, you know, not figuratively, but literally. Yeah. We have a literal yeah. beer and, we, you know, everybody's cool. But in the midst of it, my goal is, is to win. And on tomorrow night, I plan to not only win that argument, but, you know, nothing personal against Joey. I know he's getting a lot of love right now because if anyone out, out there doesn't know, this is pretty cool. This is fucking uh -huh. great. Kevin Nash won the big-time wrestling championship over the weekend, and he right. actually had a great match. I mean, look, he's up there in years. I don't think anybody expects him to have this unbelievable you know, performance, but he doesn't embarrass himself. He won the heavyweight championship over the weekend. A lot of websites posted a picture of Kevin Nash with the belt. What a lot of people don't know is that the referee of that match was Joey Numbers of Wrestling Soup. Right, yeah. So tomorrow I plan to annihilate Joey Numbers. And that's so you, you think Joe's going to have the look on his face of when uh, Nash jackhammered that guy before he counted? He's going to have that zoinks look on his yeah, face? Yeah, I plan oh, on uh, not, not annihilating, annihilating Joey Numbers tomorrow. Not total elimination? I'm going to be, what do they call it, spitting bars? I'm going to be spitting bars tonight. I'm gonna, <clears throat> uh, there's one little tidbit that I'm going to throw out there regarding that lawsuit that I will tell you he will have no answer for. But okay. it's just this is all in great fun. Him and I are really looking forward to it. It's going to be something epic. And the only reason why he and I are doing this is because he is emphatically behind Colt Cabana. I am emphatically behind CM Punk. I know. So he and I never really have, a, have had a good debate before. This is the time to do it. Yeah, that's great. So this will be uh, this will be uh, pre-recorded or live. Yeah, it'll be pre-recorded tomorrow, and then uh, it'll go up Wednesday with the rest of the broadcast. So nice. Okay, yeah. great. Um, you know, I I don't want to be comical about it, but I can't resist. I think people will forgive me. Um, mm -hmm. but did you hear who died? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I was. I'm assuming it's a, a certain wrestler from a legendary tag team, correct? Yeah, who died? Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Yeah. Who died? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Aretha Franklin. There's no, a watch no, no, on no. her. Who died? What do you mean who died? Who died? We just said Jim Neidhart. Is this, yeah. a, is this like a knock-knock joke? What yeah, is this? I'm trying to do like an Abbott and Costello. You know, what, <clears throat> who's on? No, when I said who died. Nobody, Nobody's picked up on this yet online. I figured, you know what? It's not done. Oh, in, oh God. In, who? His character. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I just... I'm, I, I, <laughs> For a wrestling historian, I, I was slow on the draw on that one. Well, I, I, this is a little, t you know, just a little, t I'm telling you, everyone out there, have fun with it. Go on somebody's show and say, hey, did you hear who died? Yeah, Jim the Anvil died. Nightheart died. Yeah, who died? And they'll keep saying, Jim the Anvil, don't you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who died? I said well, some, Anvil. Some fans, Tito, don't, it was so short-lived. Some fans probably don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But, Do you want uh, to tell them? 
Yeah. He, uh, you know, at the tail end of his in-ring career in the WWE, they had him under a mask and they called him who? And it was actually supposed to be a play on the Abbott and Costello who's on first. Right. And it, you know, flopped tremendously. I don't think uh, anybody could have been under that mask and made it work. But, um, you know, when I heard that today, I immediately thought of the gimmick and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to tell her, you know, people, hey, did you hear who died today? Yeah, Jim Anvil died. Yeah, who died? Jesus. See, people, now it's proven that me and DT do not, do not rehearse anything. No, we don't. Because you know why? We never rehearse. Yeah, because the spur in a moment exactly. reactions is what really makes the shows good, you know? <clears throat> exactly. And by the way, I, I, um, I was a little concerned, and you you know, me, you, and Mish have a little chat thing going sometimes during the during uh, these shows. And uh, Mish had mentioned, too, oh, that's, that's it. Ronda Rousey mentions him. And I said, yeah, that's kind of weird. And she's the one who speaks for him. But then they had a nice little tribute towards the tail end of the show. I thought a nice little package put together very quickly. He just died this morning. So I thought, I thought it was nice. They used an old clip of Bret Hart putting him over. But, you know, obviously they didn't have time to interview new people. That'll probably come later. But uh, sad. And now when I'm reading about DT, about what happened, him getting up to fix a thermostat and then having some sort of uh, – seizure convulsions and really hitting his head badly and that's how he died right well i think what had happened was he fell hit his head and that's what led to the convulsions yeah. and bleeding in the brain and you know i think that i don't know if it led to stroke but it was a tragic accident and if anybody has followed anvil in recent years he's had issues of you know a little bit of you know, like, I don't know what you would, I don't want to say it's what Michael J. Fox had, but you would see him actually like, you know, having, you know, issues with his nervous system. But yeah. he fell and it led to, you know, unfortunately convulsions and he bled and he died today at 63 years old. That's unbelievable. Now, DT, you've seen the rumors and you're a big time research guy. You don't like to say things that you know are not possibly true. Did you hear about him possibly having Alzheimer's or being diagnosed with early Alzheimer's? Wouldn't surprise me. Would not right. surprise me at all. I mean, he's had issues. I mean, yeah. he's had issues. Uh, and yeah, I'm not yes. even talking about, when, you know, the, as far as abuse. It's not even he hasn't looked. He hasn't looked well. He hasn't looked well. I mean, no. on camera, on the DVDs, he's very red-faced and very – he just there – there was something to his coloring that looked off. I think they were mentioning – a few people mentioned that, showing clips today. But, you know, none of us are doctors. We just see no, Anvil, you know, sure, maybe that's sure. just the way he aged. You yeah. know what I mean? And, you know, I want to just mention this because I think a lot of people may not know this. And I know we've mentioned this in the past, but – you know, what a lot of people may not realize in the entertainment world, you know, what a lot of companies will do is they will record video tributes of people passing away years before they ever pass away. And they basically get this tribute footage. They put together this package. They'll have someone narrate it and they will just keep it saved. And then when it, that person unfortunately passes, they will refresh it. They will add a couple of clips to it here and there. And right. that's why it goes up. Sometimes you actually, you know, I, Fox News is notorious for this. Someone will tragically pass. And then within 10 minutes, they have this unbelievable tribute narrated and everything at like four o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, Wow, that's like a quick turnaround, 10 minutes. Then you realize they have this stuff 
saved. I, I don't mean to sound really, really terrible about this, but everyone from Hogan to Austin to everybody else, they've got some type of tributes already in the bag, montages, you know, comments from wrestlers saved and ready to go. That seems very cryptic, but I remember years ago, uh, an episode, Everybody Loves Raymond, where Raymond was pre-writing his father's obituary because he knew what to say at the time, and his family really got on him about it and just was like, I just, because I have the, the, I know what to write now, and I want to write this now, and I just remember that episode, and I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, wow, that's kind of morbid, but it's true, DT. I, for entertainment, I think, obviously, you know, you said, wow, they put a package together. They just probably pepper in the new interviews oh, sure, and other sure. things, yeah. There was a know. mainstream news source anyone Googles it, it's within the last 12 months. They actually reported someone passing away and posted a tribute and everything full-blown, and it, and it wasn't true. They wow. actually incorrectly posted it uh, accidentally online. It was, re- mm. And then people realized that they had this tribute already in the bag saved for a later day. Um, it's just, you know, even... I, I don't want to compare it to this week in wrestling history, but even when I do the history shows... I'm already trying to go two, three months ahead. And when I see little clips of things that I know I'm going to have to cover in the future, I cap it, I edit it, I encode it, I save it, and I keep everything in one gigantic folder. This way, when it's time to actually prepare for a specific episode, I have a lot of the early preparation done. And almost every entertainment outlet does it. Baseball does it. You watch the MLB network when someone passes away 15 minutes later, they got this full fucking tribute. And it's not like that. They woke up Matt Vescurgeon at three o'clock in the morning and said, Hey buddy, we need you to race into Jersey so we can record this tribute. They got this stuff in, in the bag already saved. Well, it's something you don't want to think about, but it's no, true. DT. It, yeah. may, it makes sense, but I'm sure a lot of people even listening to this now are like, wow, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true. But, um, you know, rest in peace, Jim Neanville, Nightheart. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame. It really is. And I want to say this out of respect to other wrestlers in the Hall of Fame. And we have, we've had debates and we've had agreements on a lot of people in the past, some people who should not be or shouldn't have been in the WWE Hall of Fame before others. But for people today ripping on like Bushwhackers or anyone else because Anvil is not in, you know, right now it's emotional. And yes, he should have been in the Hall of Fame years ago. They should have done something with the Harv Foundation. You could have banged out Bulldog, Davy Boy, Pillman, Hart, Nightheart. You could have one shot. Yeah, in one, one shot. shot. And they didn't do it. But don't rip others who are in the Hall of Fame because someone else is not in that just passed away because, you know, they're their fellow peers. And they all, it's it's a one big brotherhood. And sure, you know, someone should be in before anyone else. That's no argument from me. But to turn around and really start belittling Hall of Famers because Nightheart is not in yet, I think is a little unfair. Yeah, and, and the two people who probably everybody was wondering what they had to say. Natalia released a statement on her Twitter about her father's passing. Go check it out on her Twitter. And Bret Hart really only said, and I quote, stunned and saddened. I just don't have the words right now. So you'll probably see something uh, much more involved, so to speak, written by Bret Hart in the next couple of days because I'm sure Bret is going to want to say a lot more than that. Sure, sure. I mean, this yeah. wasn't expected. I mean, he had health no, issues, yeah. but he wasn't on his deathbed. I mean, you hear what's going on with Aretha Franklin. By this time yeah. next week, she might be gone, and she probably will be. So mm-hmm. everybody's preparing for that. 
nobody was preparing for the death of Nightheart. Yes, they did the video package a long time, but you know what I mean. Like nobody in their right mind thought that he was gonna. He was on the verge of passing. It was an accident. Yeah, no, exactly. Wouldn't you say it's is it similar to Dusty Roads, Don Tony, where the fall and, yeah, and sure. meeting? Could, Look, yeah. P- L- people. Let's be honest. People who are elderly, you know, could have one fall, and that's it. Yeah. You know, and sixty-three years old, I wouldn't necessarily call elderly. But, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, you know, Dusty you, though was a little bit older. Yeah, he was a little bit older. But when you're putting your body out there the way you do, I mean, sixty-three, you probably feel like eighty-three. True. That's a good point. And you know, we could segue into something else. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what your opinion is on it, and I don't mean to sound cold in any way, shape, or form. This is not intended in any way to be disrespectful. I think deep, deep, deep down inside, I don't even think Jerry the King Lawler would dispute anything I'm about to say. But okay. the news going around is that Jerry Lawler is looking into the possibility of foul play. Uh He was interviewed by the NBC affiliate, I believe in Memphis, and he said that Brian Lawler used shoestrings to hang himself. But the photos from the hospital are inconsistent. And he said, if you look at his neck and look at his hand, you could see the lines on his neck all the way down. And it's almost like the length of his hand. And, you know, you read it, and I feel really, really bad for Jerry Lawler. We had the conversation a couple of weeks ago that, you know, look, you know, he did the opposite of Ric Flair, and and they both ended up with the same tragedy. And he probably has a shitload of guilt that, wow, if I would have just bailed my son out, this wouldn't have happened. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the one thing I need to say, and I'm on the outside looking in and I'm not trying to play a doctor. I watch a boatload of fucking forensic files. I watch a boatload of people who attempt suicide, who survive it, and then they turn their life around. I watch stories of people with bipolar, depression. I mean, I really do spend a lot of time viewing it. You know, do I suffer from a little depression? Absolutely. Have I thought about killing myself? No. But I'm... You know, I'm fascinated to see what emotions spur what and this and that. And my take on all of this is that Jerry Lawler is doing what Chris Benoit's family did. They're trying to hold on to something that could possibly, you know, change the, the, the reason why it has happened. You know, the Benoit family is, will stick to, he had the brain of an 85-year-old and he didn't know what he was doing and this, this, and that. And they try to find any reason for closure, for comfort, to try to, you know, justify, not justify what happened, but try to, you know, understand, like, why did this happen? Okay, he didn't know what he was doing. So any loving family member or friend would would do that. I, if that happened to a family member of mine and one of my family members flipped out and did so, I probably would try to find something that would have caused it. You know, you want an explanation. But I will say this, and I think this is where I honestly think Jerry Lawler gets it wrong. And I don't know what your opinion is on it. I'm just giving you mine. Okay. But when you <clears throat> read a lot of people who attempt suicide that actually, um, you know, survive and straighten their life out. People who try to hang themselves, people who jump off bridges, people who do certain things, 
They will tell you in many cases that the minute they attempted to do it, they had that immediate instinct of regret and tried to change their mind, but it was too late. They already jumped. They already did this. They already did that. And, you know, if you just think of almost common sense, the minute that Brian Lawler hung himself, and I don't mean to sound like an asshole here, but I'm, I, this is the, probably the best way I could explain it. When he hung himself with, sh- with shoelaces, does anybody honestly think that when he jumped off of his bed or a chair or anything else that he put his hands on his side and said okay that's it let's go let's hurry this up let's get it over with no your immediate reaction human reaction would be fuck i'm choking let me try to loosen this up and he and after he tried to commit suicide he probably by instinct tried to free himself from the shoelaces, got his hands in there, and unfortunately it didn't save his life. You know, if you and I tried to kill ourselves that way, chances are the minute that we try to do that, you know, our body is not going to say, yeah, that's it. You know, my hands no. are going to stay by my side. I'm not going to try to revive my, no. you know, you're just, you know, you, you, instincts come in. And instinct is, let me fucking loosen what's tight around my neck. And I think, and for, for anybody in the chat saying, how the hell do you know? Read fucking science. Your, yeah. in, your instinct, a person's instinct, human instinct reaction is, you burn your finger on a stove, even if you did it on purpose, you're still going to fucking take your finger and pull it away and go, ow. You're not of course, just you see it. a pitch coming at you in the batter's box. You get out of the fucking way. It's instinct. Yeah, if you yeah. jump in a, in a water and you're trying to drown yourself, your human instinct is is to try to fucking go to the surface. You're not going to fucking sink to the bottom and say, oh, look at the cute little goldfish out there. You, it, your, your, hint- your instinct is fight, fight for survival of right. course it is a dog coming at you you'll protect your neck you put your hands up to get his to get him grab him around the neck so it doesn't bite your throat it's it's any it's instinct yeah i think you're right dt it's not even i think it's human nature do you it's even human need to nature. Study it? it's you know i this is just opinion yeah so everyone out there i'm not trying to play a doctor a scientist or psychologist all i'm saying is is that if you actually do research it's human instinct to try to get yourself out of a situation that causes pain and that's what I think would happen when you see see the hands and it's. I think he tried to you know to to change his mind, but unfortunately, it was too late. The damage was done. Was Jerry thinking that he was murdered? You know, they're saying that security cameras didn't work, and there was a oh, fight God. earlier in the day, and oh, this, this, boy. and that. Mm-hmm. You know, look. I mean, how many times in the last year? Five years, 10 years, 20 years. Did you hear about a fight in prison that resulted later on that somebody was murdered in their cell? That's something you see on a fucking Lifetime movie. That's not something that you hear really too that much on news. And I don't blame Jerry Lawler at all for looking into it. You know, as a father, of course, you want to make sure every avenue is checked out. But when you if when you look at the hands and this is and that, you know, unfortunately, I think, you know, he's just he's trying to get some type of closure. And there's probably a tremendous amount of guilt on his end. And I feel really terrible for that family. It's a shame. It is. I mean, I heard the Dinner with the King segment that he did with his partner. Uh, it was so somber and so sad. They were both all teared up and stuff. It's hard to listen to. Uh, Jerry was so soft-spoken. I never heard him like this before. Even when he was talking about his heart attack, and stuff, I've never heard him this somber. Clearly understandable. But uh, he was alluding to the fact that there could be more to the story, that it'll come out in time, that right now they're grieving, but this is 
just the beginning of the investigation, so to speak, into this situation. And I was saying to myself, wow, is he, that's what I was saying to you. Is he alluding to the fact that Brian could have been murdered? Like, I didn't know what he was alluding to, but um, you're right. It's his son, and maybe he wants to salvage some sort of reputation for Brian that he wasn't this person who was out to harm himself. It was uh, foul play sure, and not could, Brian's fault. It yeah. could very well be that. What yeah. Jerry Lawler is basically saying is that he believes his son did not want to kill himself. Right. He talked to his son earlier in the day, and if you look at the cuts on the hands, he was obviously trying to free himself. So he's basically adding in that point that he didn't actually try to kill himself, that somebody did that, and he was trying to free himself, and unfortunately it, it was too late. Let's see what happens. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, as, as twisted as it sounds, I think probably people out there would rather hear then he was murdered, you know, because then you don't have that guilt like, wow, if I would have bailed my son, sure, if I would have bailed my son out, he wouldn't have been murdered. That's the, right. But at the same time, to think that your own son would take his own life, you know, you feel that guilt like, wow, he did that because I didn't do something. Someone kills you, someone shoots you down the street, someone randomly does something. You have no control over that. But that, he feels, you know, probably tremendous guilt. I feel really terrible for that family, but... Just looking at it as human instinct and human emotion, that's just the that's the reaction that I got when I heard that. Yeah, I, I think so. And and you know, you hear all the time that Jerry wasn't that close to Brian. But that that father that I heard on that dinner with the king, that thirty minute segment that he did last week, that was a guy who loved his son. That sure. there were those reports over the years. Maybe they weren't, but they had gotten close as they got older. Mm -hmm. And he and he was mourning him like morning of a son died uh, like i said it's hard to listen to i felt so bad for him mm -hmm. it was really oh, yeah. it was really a sad thing to listen to but i sure. of course as soon as i saw him, i'm like oh god i want to hear what jerry has to say and it was the most somber thing i've ever heard yeah it's a shame so yeah. condolences for that mm -hmm. family condolences for the nightheart family as well and uh you know hopefully we don't have any more tragedies anytime soon i hope not yeah um, I want to just a couple of things very quickly. Um, I want to shout out your best bargains, LLC, mm -hmm. good friend of the family earlier today on Patreon, your friend that works with live nation, who is actually along with WWE hosting this Elias concert this mm -hmm. weekend at Gramercy theater. He gave us a pair of tickets to give away, uh, for someone who wanted to see Elias and uh, Your Best Bargains LLC was the one that won it on our Twitter. So uh, have a ball, enjoy it, and definitely let us know how uh, how the concert was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I wish I have to actually have to work. I'm not able. I have to be in Brooklyn an hour later. There's no way I can make it. So, uh, yeah, enjoy it. I'll get his information. It'll be at Will Call and let us know. Uh, give us a report. Maybe take a little video or something and show it to us. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I will be doing a SummerSlam recap as soon as the pay-per-view ends. It's going to be, you know, a long one Sunday, but you know, well, I think the pay-per-view overall will be good. We'll get into predictions a little bit later in this show. We got a few other things to get into as well. Mm -hmm. um, before we go any further, any uh, thoughts coming up? Well, obviously, we're going to talk about Renee Young, but putting Renee mm -hmm. Young aside for a moment, yeah. uh, any other aspects of Raw tonight that you enjoyed? The Roman Reigns, uh, Brock Lesnar, um, and what stuck out to you tonight? Uh, <clears throat> despite the no crowd reaction, I was glad to see Ruby back in, in the ring, and uh, she looked good. She got a good victory over Sasha. That was fun. Of course, the, the closing of the night, I was a little concerned. I didn't think Dean was coming back tonight. I thought it was going to be after SummerSlam, but see Dean back and looking intense, got himself a haircut, which he desperately needed, a nice new, not a new look 
overall, but he looked a little bit different. That's cool. Come back with a little bit of different style. Uh, crowd pop big time. It was fun to watch because quite honestly, DT, and you have to admit this too, the Dolphin and Drew were just not getting the crowd's reaction at all. That segment dragged on before. I was like, God, get Rollins out of here. Mm-hmm. The crowd was just not into what they were saying. As mm-hmm. he, even his heels, they weren't even getting heel heat, DT. Do you think, uh, which scenario you think is more likely? Um, Dean Ambrose turning on Seth Rollins Sunday mm-hmm. or them two staying a tag team for a little bit and having a little feud with uh, Dolphin McIntyre versus Seth and Dean for a little bit through the summer? Why not milk it? Let Dean Ambrose be, he's over right now as a baby face. Let, I think they're even going to maybe consider this like, wow, good, good pop for Dean tonight. Um, and maybe let that go into Brooklyn where he's over in Brooklyn. I've seen the reactions he gets there. They could change their mind. Maybe they'll, you know what, let these guys roll with this a little bit. Then let him turn on Dean, maybe around Survivor Series or for the Royal Rumble. Why not milk it? They, they need a baby face who gets a reaction. Sure. Well, Seth gets a great reaction, but... I just, well, another one, another one's not just Seth. I'm saying, you know, the, the Shield guys themselves in the video, we, we can go back and forth with Roman Reigns, but he's a top guy no matter what anybody says. He's always going to be in that position, uh, like him or not. But uh, I think Dean, let them milk Dean as a babyface just for at least a little bit, then a vicious heel turn. No more wacky Dean, though. I hope he stays this intense guy like he looked like he was tonight. I tell you, when Seth Rollins recently cut the promo uh, interview and said that, you know, Dean Ambrose getting injured was probably a blessing in disguise. I tell you, I, if they wanted to really attach interviews to make storylines a little bit more realistic, I would oh, love yeah. to see Dean Ambrose mm-hmm. hit the dirty deeds on Seth Rollins Sunday. Then he cuts a promo and, you know, basically just says that uh, that Seth Rollins forgot about him while he was injured and this, this and that. I'd love to see them to have a feud um, I know what some of you are going to say. They feuded before. Sure, I remember it well. But they never had it where Dean Ambrose was the heel. And, and right. we mm-hmm. wanted to see Reigns versus Rollins where Reigns was the heel and WWE didn't pull that trigger either. So, yeah. you know, that's what I would prefer to see. And you let Dolph Ziggler get a different opponent for the Intercontinental Championship. You, know, you kind of feel like if you have, you know, the tag team of McIntyre and Ziggler versus Dolphin, excuse me, uh, Seth and Dean, it's almost like, okay, you know, this is being done to just quietly not have to put a lot of focus on the IC championship for the time being. That's true. I mean, how long, maybe it seems longer than it was, but how long has Dean actually been out? He's been out for what, about nine months? Nine months? Got to okay. be. I mean, yeah. he hasn't wrestled this year, if I if I can remember, and that's eight months. Right. You know, he right. wasn't in for WrestleMania. I would say at least seven months minimum. Yeah, he was. He was. He wrestled in the Survivor Series, but he wasn't in the Rumble. Right. Right. And the Rumble. Okay. I think, was wow. In so yeah, it's his first. That's what I'm saying. Maybe milk it a little bit, sell some merch, let him be a babyface for a while, and let, let the crowd get into him, and then a nice turn in a couple of months, like a vicious turn on Rollins. And that'll carry over, you know, and, and extend maybe maybe to WrestleMania. Yeah. Well, we'll see Sunday what happens. Um, mm-hmm. I liked what they did with Brock and Roman Reigns. I, I think that... Oh, you like the you like the uh, old school uh, uh, blinding <laughs> like mid south. Uh, well, Texas I mean that, that was that was horrendous yeah. because yeah. you know he's spraying his eyes and someone brings him a dry towel and then <laughs> he's getting put in a headlock <clears throat> and all of a sudden headlock is the cure for massively burning eyes. You know, as much as the headlock hurts in storyline, if your eyes are still burning tremendously from pepper spray, I would still be rubbing my eyes a little bit instead of just focusing on the pain of the head. 
whatever. I just, it wasn't believable. Yeah, and, I agree. It, but I, the idea that Paul Heyman was going to be the manager of Roman Reigns, I just, it just didn't feel like it, it, it just didn't feel like that that was going to happen. I didn't like it. Um, I'd like to see Paul Heyman maybe be the manager of Samoa Joe or someone else. You know, I, I don't, I just don't like Roman Reigns. It's it's nothing personal. <laughs> like I said earlier, you know, if if TVs could have a scent to it other than burning wires, you know, my TV today smelled like a fucking 90-year-old homeless woman in the, the heat of August in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the desert, you know, who hasn't had Summer's Eve since the wintertime. I mean, it just smelled horrible. I don't like it. You know, I just, he does nothing for me. It's nothing, again, it's nothing personal. There's rumors now that him and Braun Strowman are going to feud after SummerSlam. Right, that's what I heard. Yeah. It kind of feels like Roman Reigns has to win the title because and they keep using, oh, most important match of his career. No, no, no. Main eventing for WrestleMania is not as important. Him winning the title in the past, even though somebody cashed in, is not as important. Having a SummerSlam match, yeah, that is the most important match of his career. I just It just felt way too forced. And when you force it, put that much attention to it, to me, you kind of feel like, okay, he's got to win the belt this time. Yeah, you know, no, I agree. You know, right now, I said this on Breakfast Soup, you take all of the fights and the feuds and the matches, the main events that Reigns has had with Lesnar, you could make a fucking big-time DVD out of it. And if you did, and you go back and look at that, every time, for the most part, Brock Lesnar wins. The DVD yeah. would suck. There's got to be some type of conclusion now where Roman Reigns is the victor. Even when Roman Reigns did win in the past, somebody would cash in or some type of clusterfuck. They keep bringing up Saudi Arabia, which which I want to put a bullet through my head because how many times have wrestlers over the years would have a match get screwed because somebody interfered, somebody didn't see the pin, the referee was knocked out. And, you know, you don't keep hearing a month later, three months later, seven months later, oh, well, the referee was knocked out and, and you know, the fans counted to 30 and I should have been champion. No, you just move on. And the fact that you keep bringing up Saudi Arabia, I'm like, leave it fucking alone. That's true. No, you're right. I mean, listen, I, I, again, uh, Roman Reigns, when he sucks, he sucks. He sucked on the mic tonight. I didn't like the promo at all. I was taken a little bit by surprise by the, the spraying in the eyes thing. I didn't see that coming. I didn't know where Heyman was going with that routine that he was doing. I'm like, what? what is going on here? But, but yeah, Reigns' promo tonight, just uh, the crowd. I'll give him credit for this. The crowd seemed to like him in this market that he was in tonight. Uh, he was over. He wasn't getting booed. Who? A little bit of booed. Wait, who? You Reigns. Did, of course he was getting booed. When Brock Lesnar came out. They, they, no, no, no. When he was cutting the promo with uh, – with, um, Heyman in there. Oh, sure. Getting, because, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of it was was designed, I mean, you know, it's the lesser of two evils. You know, right. shit on Bro Brock Lesnar for not being here and, and never right. showing up in this and that. And yeah, I mean, fans should pop at that. But that's WWE's fault. And I think, you know, I, I've, I've said this for years. You know, it, it, it's funny because you and I, for about five, six years, have talked about that he ain't staying home. He's not no showing events. He it's and he's not going to call up WWE and say, 
hey, you know, I haven't been on TV. This one's on me. I'll be at Raw tonight. I'm going to take a, the red eye, and I'll be there in a couple of hours. Yeah, I got this one. This is on me. No, they <laughs> so, fucking... Probably Rick, Rick Steamboat would have probably did that back it, in the day, but uh, not, not Brock Lesnar. Sure. I mean, it's it's he he's not there because WWE keeps him home. And you and I have said for five or six years, every single person out there, if your employer offered you the contract that Brock Lesnar has, you would fucking take it. You would go to the bar later on. You'd buy drinks for every single person there. You would be happy. You'd probably fucking just, you know, almost cry of happiness. That's mm-hmm. a dream. And, uh, you know, I just don't understand why people don't get that. And now Chris Jericho does an interview last week and says the very thing. And people are like, you know, I never thought of it that way. What the fuck? Yeah. You know, it's like, come on. I mean, you you think he's staying home? That's yeah, crazy. No, I, I didn't like the whole angle. I mean, when Brock came out, beat up uh, Reigns again. Same old, same old. Seen this before. You know what I mean? Seen this many times. Reigns on the receiving end of a beating from Lesnar. I'm indifferent to it at this point. Yeah, and the crowd was chanting one more time, one more time. Because yeah. by instinct, that's what you want. It's just like when they had Ziggler versus Seth. You put a countdown clock in the fucking Iron Man match. And I'm sure people, because it's a long day and everything, they want to entertain themselves. And every time it came close to the minute being over, they're doing the countdown. So what does WWE do? They take away the countdown clock and Ziggler and Rollins are battling it out on that Iron Man match. And because the fans are pissed because WWE took the clock away, what did they do? They did it louder. Yeah. There's certain things that they do in wrestling that is going to spark a certain type of response. So, oh. you know, WWE should realize that, you know, when Brock Lesnar does some of his moves, the crowd is going to chant one more time, one more time, one more time, because that's what they want to see, one more time. And that's what's going to happen Sunday. He's going to throw a suplex, fans are going to chant one more time, he's going to throw it again, and he's going to instill a pop from that. He's not going to cut promos during the match and start telling the crowd, shut up, shut up. Is it? He's just going to keep doing his thing. Now, when we were hearing the program that's going to be post-SummerSlam between Reigns and Braun Strowman, necessarily mean that Reigns is going to be the champion? Could it be Braun cashes in and the series that follows is Strowman champion, Reigns challenger? Could that happen? Very possible. I, I took notice today that WWE really took a lot of focus away from Kevin Owens tonight. Yes, he was in that match, but they didn't really pay much, you know, like real attention. Like it felt like they were intentionally pulling back a little bit. I wanted, I, you know, we'll get into predictions later. I would love to see him win that briefcase and cash in. It's people are saying to me, it's like, Kevin, you think it can happen? I'm like, I, it's possible because, you know, just when you think a guy's getting deep pushed, just when you think he's being jobbed out, He's back on top. WWE is famous for doing that. That is true. You never really give up on someone until it's obvious to give up on well, them, you know, like, like Dana Brooke. I, there's two scenarios I would love to see with Lesnar Sunday. When we get into predictions, I'll tell it there. Okay. So now, um, Renee Young. Yeah. Uh, now, look, we don't screw over family. When I say goof podcasters and stuff like that, I should. I think this should be common knowledge to everyone out there. It's not the family that I reference. It's not Soup. It's not you. It's not Solo Monster. It's not Dells. It's not anybody who's family. All right. It, this is people that we don't know for the most part. These are people out there that you know just have the, there's thousands of wrestling shows out there. There's thousands, but I don't 
spend time listening to much of anyone else. I'd rather concentrate on, you know, trying to improve what I do. It's just something, it's just something that's been me since 97. It's not, you know, they, of course there's time to, you know, be socialize and spend time and listen to what other people are doing and, you know, see, you know, the difference in styles and, Hey, you know, people that are ba- play baseball, sometimes they don't want, they want to watch other people play. There's nothing no, wrong with and, that. And, you, and you've seen DT back in the day where even there's shoot interviews where WCW guys are like, yeah, we went yeah, and watch off Raw. and watched uh, Raw. We watched a couple sure. of segments of Raw. But yeah. I do take notice of what a lot of podcasters will say and do in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. because I go back to 97 with the hotlines, lately now I start started feeling like, okay, it's time for me to help give back a little bit. Inspiring new podcasters, need a little advice, want me to come on, you know, have, have a little conversation. I'm here for everybody. But at the same time, though, I'm going to be just as critical as, as I think people should be. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I found fucking hilarious, and I'm not going to give individual names, but what I found, fu- not hilarious, but fucking hilarious, is, you know... Renee Young, they announced she was going to be the commentator of Raw today. History, historic. Now, I agree with what you said. I'll give you, obviously, plenty of time to talk about Bonnie Blackstone and all that. So I totally understand what you said. You were right. And I found it funny that before she said a word on TV, that mostly men out there were flexing their finger muscles (laughs) online, writing nasty shit, ripping it apart. And basically, I said, you know what? Renee, knock it out of the park. If people out there have a problem with it, don't like it for whatever reason, don't fucking watch it. Don't pay attention to it. Ignore it. Fucking do something else for one night. Watch the spoilers, whatever. But this this focus on her was just outstanding. And then tonight, and I teased this on Twitter, and I'm going to say it now. I wrote earlier, I said that a lot of these goofs out there and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of goofs from websites and podcasts. They revealed tonight that when they say that they watch NXT and they watch other feds, they're full of fucking shit. Because I saw, you know, I did the Twitter search under Renee Young, and I wanted to see what the overall consensus is. And I saw, look, wrestling fans out there, they have every right to have liked it, disliked it, thought she wasn't good, thought she was average, thought she was great. Fans, fine. I have no problem with what anybody felt about how she did. But I paid attention to everybody who had shows. And what I found over and over and over again is that people were critiquing her, uh, you know, like this is the, her debut, commentating. Yeah. And I was like, person after person after person after person tonight revealed as as for years, when they said, oh, I've watched NXT, here's the results, here's the recap, here's my opinion. You never fucking watched NXT. Because Renee Young commentated on NXT quite a bit. You and I, and I'm not trying to compare Renee Young to any veteran baseball broadcasters or anything like that. But sure. we have seen broadcasters in baseball, wrestling, basketball, football, who is a regional announcer or commentator and then do a nationwide broadcast or do playoffs or do something else. And when you hear Tim McCarver, who did the Mets games from what, 80, it was 81, 82, whatever it was, until right. the mid 90s, and then he went, you know, Fox, Fox Sports, he sounded the same. 
You just talked about different people. My point is, is that Renee Young tonight sounded like Renee Young, who did commentating on NXT for for a couple of you know for a couple of years, you mm-hmm. know, on and off. She has done this before. Nothing she did tonight surprised me. And quite honestly, I thought she did a better job than people thought that she would because she didn't interrupt a lot of times. She actually knew her spots where to chime in. There were times where she was quiet. I personally felt that there was nothing that she could do tonight that was going to please certain people. You know, was she spectacular? No. Absolutely not. But when I saw these people who claim that they're big-time NXT and this and that, and they're writing this, and they're talking about her debut doing commentating, it's not, and it's not semantics like, well, it was her debut on Raw. They were writing it as if she never commentated before. Right. No mention of NXT, right? and you could, and anybody out there, I see people in chat already saying that they agree with me 100%. I saw it repeatedly tonight. Tonight, you can figure out online who actually has been a loyal supporter of NXT and followed the product and who lied through their teeth for a bunch of years. All right, right. because she did tonight what she's done in NXT. No surprises for me, and I thought she did fine. Was it something memorable? No, it was just one episode was it historic uh you know i I, I think wwe is just fucking overly hyping it i mean i didn't think it was historic you know i mean but i thought she did okay she was okay i mean yeah of course i know she did nxt but i think people look at that and sorry everybody as a minor league small time thing uh not a mainstream thing it's like the you know triple a you know like doing triple a baseball like announcing a cyclones game is not the same as announcing a mets game um which is which is fair comparison so but yeah i think they wanted again uh, dt as you say suspension of disbelief um renee young is oh she's the backstage uh she's the one who does the interviews with the people right backstage. that's oh, how oh, yes. they're gonna give her the gig oh they're gonna give her a gig bingo up with, up with bingo bingo <laughs> yeah, all the exactly. years that's what people i saw retweeting and on and pretty much writing all of the years of her doing backstage interviews they're finally going to give her a chance to commentate and i'm right. like huh and some people actually were bringing up nxt and some people didn't have a clue what the fuck they were talking about. it was just it was sad to see that online today it really was um you know did i think it was historic no i mean it was a test obviously that's going to lead to evolution and honestly at the end of the day did she do worse than coach Probably not. She sounded a little nervous. She tripped up a little bit. She sounded like she couldn't get over Michael Cole's presence. Michael Cole kind of overshot her a few times. I don't mm-hmm. know if you noticed that, DT. Yeah. Uh, Michael Cole almost sounded like his mic was louder than hers. Mm-hmm. At one point when the, the, the schmazes were happening in the ring, you know, with the little fights and this and that and the things that went down even with Roman Reigns, she sounded like she wanted to say something, but she just sounded like she said, oh, oh no. Like, they were, I, I'm like, well, you know, add some more there, Renee. And it just seemed like Michael Cole took over with his overwhelming, you know, rah-rah of Roman Reigns and his disdain for Lesnar that Renee really couldn't pepper in any comments, it seemed like, during that segment. Yeah, well, I thought, you know, they just had her get used to doing this, you know, because she's not, you know, doing as much outside of the main product. And if they're going to, you know, have her do evolution and they have to obviously really put on their A-game, why yeah. not have her make an appearance here on Monday Night Raw? I mean, you know, you look at who's replaced 
coach since he's been back. Booker T. I don't think we've had Otunga go on Raw maybe once. Yeah, and you once, got Renee man. Young. I mean, she's great on the pre-show. She's done NXT. I thought she did fine. I don't know why. Let me say it like this. Putting aside the fact that she's a woman, I don't know why people made such a big deal that she filled in for coach for one week. Yeah, I don't. I didn't really see the big deal either. As a matter of fact, when it was announced last week, and all the wrestlers and people from all over the independent wrestlers, this is great for Renee Young. Congratulations! I'm like, it's she's basically it's it's part of her gig when you really think about it, right? DT, it's like almost like, hey, instead of batting third, you're batting fifth today. You know, I mean, you're you're in the lineup. You're you're part of this team. You're right. She does the thing for the pre-shows. Does a lot of announcing. Does a lot of interviews of wrestlers. I would think she feels comfortable. And I know not everybody can do this gig, as Shawn Michaels would say. But I, to me, it seemed like an e not an easy segue, but it seemed like something to segue in with not a lot of complications. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting her. The only thing I could see her being nervous about DT was the pressure put on her by all the overwhelming congrats. You deserve this. You know, uh, we know you'll kill it. You'll do your best. She's probably like, hey. I know this gig, but maybe she even maybe psyched, psyched herself out a little bit. She was fine, but nothing where they got backstage and Triple H is like, you are going to be on the air every week now. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, yeah. remember, we're going into SummerSlam. So, yeah, know. you know, yeah. it's not like a throwaway week where you could just, you know, get used to it and everything. I mean, you're trying to sell a pay-per-view. So. Yeah, it's the go-home show. Yeah, I thought you did fine. I, yeah, I she, really she was fine, but don't you agree, DT? It, it, it's part of her route, so to speak. You know, like it's not it's not like, you know, all right, Renee, you're going to produce the show tonight. Oh, well, I never did that before. I think it's 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 it should have been an easier transition than people were making like it was. You know, what I mean, I think people were that that old congrats thing. I just thought it was over the top. I mean, yeah, I thought what, it was a little over the top, too. Yeah. I mean, I would have just I mean, yeah, you want to bring tension that the first time a woman is commentating raw from beginning and fine. But to try to have it where everybody's supporting her, like she just won, like Kane winning an election. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're filling in for one it's week. True. I mean, why would it be such a big, gigantic deal that she's co-hosting? Like the fact that you're really making it tremendously larger than what it should be kind of feels like that you're pandering to, to someone. I think so. And DT, what do you, what are your, we don't know yet. It's just speculation, but what do you think the announcing team is going to look like for evolution? All women? Uh, no, I think you, you probably will have either Michael Cole or Corey Graves. They, right. You know, just be, see, look, it's an all women's pay-per-view, but that doesn't mean that the referees have to be women. The bellkeeper has to be a woman. Right. The, you know, the ticket, person has to be a woman of the, the, the fucking no i mean it's it's not that men are banned then it just looks a little over the top in fact i i think they should i said this on breakfast soup i think they really should do something with james ellsworth tries to compete on the fucking show you know sure. i mean i don't think he'll bring the intergender championship with him which would be fun but um i wouldn't banish men i think that's a little over the top would you be shocked, though, if they did do an all-female panel uh, yes. for announcing? Yeah, I'd be yeah. completely shocked. I, I, In fact, I don't think there's 1% chance that it's going to be all women. Okay. I don't think so at all. Um, shout out to our newest associate producer, Russell Sibinaller. Also, I want to shout out some of our new and returning patrons. And I know some of you out there, there was a couple of days late because Patreon had some issues um, renewing some. So some of you out there may not be new and returning, but I want to shout you out anyway. Ghost of Plancha, Ryan uh, Brijal, 
uh, Pouty McGuire, Jacob Canate or Canate, James Young, Jonathan Bauer, Patrick Wagner, Leo Nunez, Chogal, Chris, Andre, John Amantia, Eric Turner, Paul Bielowski, and Michael Ogle. So shout cool. out to all of you. Cool. Uh, also want to shout out our uh, patrons that are taking part in the fantasy football league that we're in. I can't call it football because it's soccer or if it's football overseas. You know, when I first got invited, this is taking place in England, all in right. the UK. When I got invited, I thought it was soccer. And then me, like an idiot, just realized fucking World Cup just ended. So it's fantasy <laughs> football. And um, I, I, there's like 15 patrons that are in it. I'm in it. And I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. And I came in second place in the first week. So and you didn't even know any. You didn't any. I, I just went. I just winged it and picked who I thought could possibly do well, and I ended up in second place. And uh, AJ West is the only person that kicked my ass. Wow. So it, it's it's a lot of fun. So I want to thank everybody who is a part of that. I'll definitely shout out our associate producers momentarily. I know we definitely want to get in a little bit. Regarding, you know, arguably the biggest news this week, and like I said, you know, I'm not, I'm. It's not that I'm saving bullets for tomorrow. It's just that I made a gigantic page of legal notes and yeah. the darts that I want to throw to Joey Numbers over and over and over again, bringing up <laughs> points. No, just in good fun. So, you know, I'm gonna give my initial thoughts on the case. And I definitely want your opinion on it as well. But for those sure. that, you know, have been under a rock that aren't aware of it, uh, Cole Cabana is suing CM Punk. Uh, he is suing him for $200,000 in general damages plus a million dollars in punitive and exemplary damages. Mm -hmm. uh, this stems to the legal fees incurred from the lawsuit filed by Dr. Aman. And... Um, you know, he, the 10 page or 14 page court documents are online. And um, it's a very interesting lawsuit. Basically, the synopsis of it is that CM Punk, you know, Cole Cabana is complaining, uh, complaining, is, uh, uh, is um, <clears throat> claiming, claiming, thank you. He's claiming that CM Punk agreed to help Cole Cabana with legal fees from their battle with Dr. Oman. And that there's text messages where CM Punk said you would be 100% covered. But then in the end, he did not take care of Colt Cabana's legal expenses. And they're saying that Colt Cabana was left with $513,736 in unpaid legal wow. bills. I don't know if that figure is actually accurate. I think some people may have mixed up some of the math. But the bottom line, to summarize all of this, is that when they got sued from the doctor, CM Punk told Colt in text message, and I'm sure in conversations, that don't worry, you're covered. We got, it. You know, we got you, this, is and that. And uh -huh. at the end of the day, not only did... CM Punk not cover Cabana's legal expenses, but he had to go and get his own counsel, incurred a large amount of legal expenses there. And um, as a result, is suing CM Punk for fraud, you know, for breach of contract. You know, it's just, it's, there's a lot of uh, little particulars. I'd love to know your thoughts on this lawsuit. 
Well, the whole thing is they started out, though, with the same legal team, and then uh, Cabana wound up hiring his own attorney, right? Isn't that the is that CM Punk's bone of contention, though, DT, you think? I mean, we haven't heard from CM Punk. When do you think we'll hear from him? Like, when? when is his side going to be told? Right now, we're only really seeing Cole Cabana's side of it. Well, I'll tell you this much. I talked to someone who is very close to CM Punk's camp. Mm-hmm. I don't want to overhype it. It's someone I'm- who is close enough and gave me some specific information that's not out there. All right. And to be honest with you, I want to just say that it's hearsay right now because okay. we haven't heard. And anything, look, let's be honest here. Everyone out there has heard Colt Cabana's side of it because we've read court documents. Right. And it's, Any, all, and it's all over everywhere. Right. Everything else that you're reading that is claiming CM Punk's end of this is all hearsay. I don't care where you read it. I don't care how great it sounds. Until you see court documents filed by CM Punk's attorney or a statement by either his attorney or CM Punk himself, everything you're reading is hearsay. Whether I say something or anyone else says anything, no matter what you hear, unless it comes out of the mouth of CM Punk or his lawyer, it's hearsay. But I will shed this part of it now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to, trust me, I'm not, would never say, fuck the Don, Tony, Kevin Castle show. I'm saving all my facts for, you know, Brexit. Blah. No, I, I understand that. the position. But yeah, I'm maybe do, I, just give us like a little bit of it. Yeah, you know but I mean? I'm going to throw something out there right now that you haven't read anywhere else. Okay. Okay. One of the reasons why I'm taking CM Punk's side on this totally is that, Part of the agreement, okay, and again, even if I what I say right now makes a thousand percent sense and ends up being a thousand percent correct, this is just hearsay. But this is what I was told, and to me, it makes total sense because I do know a little bit in the legal world. I do insurance for a living. I do E&O, and I do a lot of other things, okay? The bottom line is this. When CM Punk's lawyer hired his lawyer, and they agreed to cover CM Punk and Colt Cabana. All right, the agreement between the two of them is that they were both going to fight this lawsuit to the end. At some point, and, and believe me, everyone, you're not going to read this anywhere else. And again, this is just hearsay. I want to emphasize that because if it ends up not being true, I don't want anybody to say, oh, you're wrong, Dr. I'm telling you what I was told. That at some point, they, there was an understanding all along that as long as those two were on the same page and as long as those two fought this to the end, that lawyer would be re- representing both of them. At some point during the you know the pre-trial or when they were getting everything together, Cole Cabana started getting nervous. Cole Cabana started getting very, very concerned that it was his podcast and this, this, and that, and he started bringing up the idea that maybe they could settle out of court. Maybe they can negotiate something. Maybe they could do this. And CM Punk was fighting this to the end no matter what. And when CM Punk and Colt Cabana started having a difference of opinion on how this case should go forward, and then you hear that CM Punk showed up at a WWE event and Colt, and, uh, Colt Cabana Colt, showed up. Colt, yeah. yeah, Colt showed up at the WWE event. And CM Punk is like, how could you show up at a WWE event? I don't care if your friends are there. They're suing us. 
You know, the, even though it's the doctor, they're suing us. How could you even put your eyes there? So you add all that, and now it turns into a case like Cole Cabana is not, you know, on the same page with us anymore. So that's when CM Punk said, fine, you want to start thinking about settling in this and that. Here is your half of what has been spent so far, and you go out and you get your own lawyer. And CM Punk, uh, uh, Cole Cabana ended up pursuing a different attorney, and then CM Punk's lawyer sent contact to Cole Cabana and said, listen, I think it's best for everybody involved that I remain your lawyer and we're committed to keeping your, you know, expenses, that everything will be covered, provided that everybody is on the same page. When Cole Cabana started to get cold feet and started to, the idea that he possibly wanted to settle out of court and CM Punk was even worried that as part of the settlement that Colt may testify against CM Punk, right, right, that's when right, CM right. Punk said, you know what? Fuck this. I was going to give you take care of all your expenses, and now you're having cold feet. Now you worry about this. Now you worry about that. That's it. You're on your own. So that is just what I was told so far, and that is why this ended up the way it did. What It sounds fucked up that CM Punk promised this and promised that and promised this, but what a lot of people don't understand is that there is a time period there that was left out, and a lot of that conversation, look, you're friends with someone and you're close friends with someone. You're best friends and you're both being sued. Yeah. You, you think they're just going to text message each other? They're hanging out together. They're in the same house together. They ain't like fucking Omarosa that they're going to be recording their, each other's conversations without them knowing. So it's not like, oh, there's just text messages and nothing else. They had conversation after conversation after conversation. Well, they were, so, clo they were close friends for many years. They were very close friends. They were like, here, they've even called each other like a brother to each other. Right. They've been on record saying that. Right. That so, they were like brothers. Yeah. yeah, so understand this, just in a legal sense, that when Cole Cabana starts thinking that maybe the best thing to cover himself is to, you know, settle this out of court, that goes totally against all of the work that the lawyer's done so far and the $500,000 that CM Punk already invested right. in the case. Understand something, everyone, and this is a little bit of what I'm going to say tomorrow. Cole Cabana, that was his podcast. Cole Cabana got a boatload of fucking revenue on YouTube and everywhere else from having that podcast. Cole Cabana, I like him. He's entertaining. He does a good show. I have nothing bad to say about what he does. But that guy, did you ever think of one thing out of all of this? Cole Cabana never took out insurance. E&O, errors and omissions or insurance in case he ever got sued for anything he said or anything that was portrayed on his podcast. He just did a show and collected revenue from it. Now, it the, settle, the, the, the case was over with, all right? Now, think about this. What if they would have lost and a doctor would have won? You oh, think yeah. This is something that nobody's thought about. If the doctor would have won, wouldn't Colt Cabana would have been liable for whatever the court would have awarded to doctor, the doctor? Where was Colt Cabana? Did Colt Cabana, ex this is my point, did Colt Cabana expect to record his friend CM Punk, benefit from all of the revenue, get millions and millions of downloads, and then after the lawsuit is over, if they would have been liable, who would have paid that? Everything was on CM Punk? When was Colt Cabana going to pay for his responsibility? It was his show. He put CM Punk on there. And you know what? I, throw, I'll, I will throw a dart now that I was going to throw tomorrow. 
What a lot of people also need to understand, and this is something that nobody's talking about, is that when Cole Cabana got the cease and desist letter from the lawyer, you know what Cole Cabana did after what? he got the lawyer, the legal letter? He uploaded the video again to YouTube uh, Direct or something like that. So yeah. he actually uploaded this video or YouTube unlisted. So he decided to keep this going, keep it listed, and he got almost another million downloads after he got that cease and desist letter. So Cole Cabana was more interested as far as getting this podcast exposure, and this is not, and again, this is this is now just my opinion and nothing mm -hmm. else. But for everybody out there that's going to feel that, oh, CM Punk, wow, it's fucked up. He said he was going to cover his legal costs. Yeah, as long as we fight it to the end. But the minute that this guy lays out two, three hundred grand for his friend, and then he finds out his friend is thinking about possibly settling out of court and this, this and that the fuck am i laying out all this money for you for go get your own lawyer do whatever you want yeah dt i, I honestly i at first my first initial thing was uh, cm punk being an asshole again being you know a, a friend who has uh you know boundaries and and uh, ultimatums and stuff and it's his way or the highway but then thinking about it and even before we got on the show tonight listen to everything you're saying i agree with you almost 95 percent to be honest with you because you're right here it was here's the game plan okay everybody on the same page okay cole cabana gets nervous he strays from the plan. CM Punk is now, they're both starting to get paranoid with each other. It's clear. The trust is broken. He goes to visit the guys in WWE. CM Punk is like, what the fuck is this guy doing? He's, he's this, this is not good for us. You know, they're not listening to each other. The lawyer gets involved to play mediator, get him back on the same page, retain our services. It's best for business, whatever. But Colt Cabana's like, no, no. You think someone, DT, by the way, got in Colt Cabana's head not to trust CM Punk and do your own thing? It's possible. And you know what? Yeah. I don't blame Cole Cabana for being nervous because Cole Cabana... It's a lot of money on the line. Cole Cabana... Look, with all due respect, even after this happened, has Cole Cabana gone out and purchased insurance in case he's ever sued personally for his podcast? No. When The minute... Think about this. The minute the case was over and they were found not guilty, what was the first thing Cole Cabana did? Did his podcast and interviewed his lawyer on the podcast. Yeah, this guy... True wants to reap the rewards from the podcast, but in my opinion, took no responsibility for himself. If they would have lost the lawsuit, what would, when was Cole Cabana going to say, you know what, I profited off of this. I got the millions of downloads. It was my show. I brought you on. I uploaded it again after I got the cease and desist letter. When was he, who was going to pay the claim? That's well, DT, Punk you think that plays into CM Punk saying, I was waiting for you to do the right thing and you haven't what's you gonna, when he made that in comment? My, in my opinion, what's going to end yeah. up happening is CM Punk's lawyer in court is right. going to show one of two, two things. There's either going to be signed documents that Cole Cabana signed to retain this lawyer, and there's gonna, there's, there is some type of clause in there that, is, that as long as they're on a certain, I don't want to say same page or this and that, but as long as they're, you know, working together and they're in unison, that that lawyer is retaining the services for Cole Cabana and CM Punk. When Cole Cabana right. started, you know, going into his own and talking about this and talking about that, he went against the lawyer, he went against CM Punk, and they weren't going to jeopardize 
$500,000 already spent, and that's when CM Punk and the lawyer said no. When they put in the court papers that CM Punk convinced his lawyers to get rid of Colt Cabana, no, that's not true. Colt Cabana is the one that convinced CM Punk's lawyers to get rid of him because you actually read a little comment from the lawyer's letter to Colt Cabana telling him, look, it would be in the best interest that you keep me as a lawyer because as long as we're on the same page with things, everything will be fine, that everything will be covered. Colt Cabana, because he got no insurance, because he had nothing to protect himself, because if Colt Cabana would have had a simple insurance policy that would have covered him for a million over two in case he ever got sued, if he would have lost, the insurance policy would have paid out. Look at the Gawker lawsuit and look at the insurance companies that didn't want to cover Gawker for whatever reasons. Yeah. I have insurance for what we do. I right, actually, right. this what we do and Patron, it, we set up a corporation. We have insurance. We've never been sued other than, you know, WWE a long time ago because I was doing I was doing a bus trip and everything for the Extreme Reunion. Yeah. But, you know, that's a whole nother story with the trademark. But the point is that if you're going to do a podcast, let alone something like that, you need to cover your ass. And he has shown that where was he going to take responsibility for the fact that it was his show? And it's, again, when he got that legal letter, he actually admitted in the original case during the Dr. Amon lawsuit that he uploaded the video again after he got the cease and desist letter. And he would, and he would profit from that again, yet again? Yeah. All right, so he was taking an old DT ballpark figure, rough estimate. How much you think he took in for, for this? No idea. Million, you know why I have no uh, idea? But, 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 but enough that it's like kind of uh, maybe record-breaking for a podcaster? I, I'll tell you why I don't know. Plain mm -hmm. and simple, why I don't know. Because he boasted to a lot of places that he got 3 million downloads. Wow. Okay? And when he put it up on YouTube private, I think whatever channel that was got another million downloads. Number one, I don't know if that revenue went to him after it was uploaded the second time, but right. he was the one that, that I guess that it uploaded. I could be wrong, but my point is this. When it came time to the Dr. Amon lawsuit and he was testifying and they were asking him how many downloads, all of a sudden, he really didn't know the answer. You know, he trusted the analytics, but he really didn't know the answer. Kev, Mm. Mish is out there. A anybody out there that has a podcast will tell you. You go on Libsyn, you go on uh, Midroll, whatever else. When right. you log in, the first thing you see is your statistics. You know how many downloads you get. You know how many people are going episode to episode. You tracked what goes up, what goes down. And I have an announcement coming in December is going to be the biggest announcement that's ever been made on these shows. It is fucking huge. I can't reveal what it is right now, but all I'm going to say is this. When that announcement comes out there, all right, just ask yourself this. When this announcement happens, do you think that we did it because we, we sound cool? We look nice? We smell nice? We act cool? We're nice guys? No, it all comes down to numbers. And when someone immediately doesn't know the numbers, isn't sure, has to check it, uh, that, that original 3 million number was probably not accurate, not even mm -hmm. close. Wow. So, I mean, so basically, uh, DT, you're saying that Cole Cabana was willing to reap the rewards but take none of the risks or responsibility if it went south. Well, let me ask you this. 
Where mm-hmm. in all of this did he take responsibility? What if they no, would have I, lost? I don't know what the agreement was. Like, listen, do you think initially CM Punk's like, you know what? Everybody wants my interview. I'm going to do it on Cole Cabana's show. Everybody wants to interview me. I'm going to go on this podcast. I'm going to make you. He's my friend. I'm going to get you over. I'm going to get make you money or whatever. I don't know if they agreed to split anything. But I, I kind of see where you're going with this, DT. And like I said, I had a little bit of a change of heart even a couple of days ago before we did this tonight. But hearing everything you're saying, it's true. If he's going to take the reward, why does he not get any risk? And why is he the woe is me guy and CM Punk is 100% well, the, this, the, the, the douchebag? This, you know is what what, I mean? this is what happens with a lot of people who do podcasts. And I'm not saying this to be no, know, no, no. to, to okay. criticize Cole Cabana. Like I said, in a week, I, I, I like Cole Cabana. I like Cole Cabana. I, 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 like I, I like them both. I feel bad what happened to him. I, I'm, I have no problem with Cole Cabana. But the thing is, you know, there's a saying that I've always you know, gone by when I was a kid. If you play, you must pay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we first were doing Patreon and other stuff, you and I had conversation. You said to me, DT, do we really need to set up a corporation? DT, do we really need insurance? Do we really need this? Yeah, because we were doing, you know, the fun became a business. Like right, we it became said, a we, business. You know, right. But but also, why do we file tax and do that? Because, number one, it's peace of mind. And number two, because you want to do, you have to take some responsibility. And with all due respect to Colt Cabana, I see him uploading the show, reaping the rewards, getting the notoriety, getting the press, getting the revenue, getting the attention, getting the props, getting the name drops. But I don't see him taking responsibility for anything. I don't see him buying insurance. I don't see him getting a law. I don't even see where he would have, paid anything like where was his responsibility in all of this it's a, it sounds like oh well you know because cm punk said it on my show you know i didn't know if it was true or not so you know what cm punk lied or he exaggerated that's all on cm punk but if that's the case and the lawyer sends you uh, the, the doctor sends you a cease and desist letter i don't care if cm punk said Fuck him. I don't give a shit about him. Yeah, don't, don't worry about they, it. It's really Cole Cabana's you know, responsibility. Right. right. It's Cole Cabana's podcast. Now, all of a sudden, it's, you know, oh, it's CM Punk's. It's your podcast. You're the one that decided to leave it up. You're the one that ignored the legal letter. And why did he ignore the legal letter and not take care of it on his own? Because CM Punk was willing to take care of his legal fees. Because other people were taking care of everything for, for Cole Cabana. Cole Cabana left everything status quo. I can picture CM Punk saying, you know what? Fuck this doctor. Leave that shit up. Leave it up. There's probably text messages. Right. Leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. But at the end of the day, it's Cole Cabana. It's your podcast. You're the one after you got the letter to upload it again on a different channel. You're the one that admitted it in court that you this, 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 and this. When do you take responsibility and say, you know what? Yeah, this is this is kind of you know maybe this is exaggerated and you know maybe my right. ass is going to be handed to me. So let me take the show down. And the funny thing is, and this is what annoyed me about most of the case, there is something written in the court papers that said that if he would have just addressed the original legal letter and taken the podcast down, then none of this would have happened. Well, he uploaded the episode again. I don't care if it was private or not. He reaped the rewards never took responsibility for himself and is trying to pin this all on CM Punk. And honestly, as much as I like Cole Cabana, I can't 
defend him with this at all. The minute he started getting cold feet, and rightfully so, if I was in his position, I'd be fucking scared too. I don't have insurance. I could lose my house. I could lose all my assets. I could have a judgment against me. My fucking, if I get a regular job, that my wages could be fucking attached. Yeah. You know, his life could have been really, really screwed. So that pressure to want to go and settle out of court, I don't blame Cole Cabana for that. The problem is, again, it's his podcast. You need to take certain responsibility when you do a show. I don't care how trivial the stuff that what you do, you need to cover your ass in case something ever happens. And the worst thing about it is the insurance in Chicago, the insurance in Illinois is much cheaper than it is in New York. It is Isn't not enough. expensive insurance. He ain't a fucking doctor. He could have gone to a simple liability company and say, listen, I do a podcast. I want to cover myself a lot, but personal liability in case I'm ever sued. And he could have gotten the insurance. And then as soon as this happened, he could have handled it to his claims rep and they would have dealt with it. Yeah. But because, because he chose not to do these responsibilities when having his podcast, that this is what ends up happening. He was at the mercy of CM Punk. He was at the mercy of CM Punk's lawyer. And when he got cold feet and was very, very worried about the outcome and he was unsure that he was going to, he decided, you know what, maybe I need to go a different route. And CM Punk is like, wait a minute. I fucking paid out a half a million dollars already. Yeah. And now you, no, fuck that. Here's half of your bill. Hit pay it. Do whatever you want. I do the very same thing. Right, because CM Punk had, right, maybe there was a game plan agreed to, and there was maybe an asterisk, so to speak, next to it, where this is the way it's going to be, then I will cover you 100%. But once you strayed from the plan, you started doing these things, fucking up the whole game plan, I felt like you, you breached your agreement with me. So you think that's really what it was, DT? Broken trust between two friends who were both paranoid that they had a lot to lose. CM Punk felt overwhelmed to have to be responsible for not only himself, but for somebody else who was... As you say, still uploading the, the video and yeah. making money and, and that, making moves that CM Punk did not agree with. Ask yourself this question. Why is he not suing a doctor? Because yeah. he has no case against the doctor. The yeah. only chance that Cole Cabana has at all with this is to go after CM Punk and hope that there is a settlement out of court, you know, for X amount of dollars so he could try to recuperate any little bit of money because at the end of the day Cole Cabana had to get his own counsel it wasn't free you know you don't any lawyer in their right mind would not have taken Cole Cabana's case up if they knew at the end that Cole Cabana is going to say oh he's paying for it yeah, you, you know what I mean yeah, he, so, he's got it he's yeah got he's it. got it I mean again <laughs> Cole Cabana at some point has to take responsibility that this was his show and the fact that he didn't buy insurance before there might have been some insurance companies that refused to write him now until his lawsuit was closed. Right, That's very right. possible. But at the end of the day, like I said, he is not suing the WWE doctor. And if you ask yourself why, because he really doesn't have a case. You know, just because somebody promises you, I'm telling you, it's going to come out that he started to take a different direction, that went against the lawyer, that went against CM Punk. And as soon as he did that, it was almost like a breach of contract. Like, okay, you know, we're not all in unison. Right. You know, you're on your yeah. own. And that's what I think. At the end of the day, that's what happened. Yeah, it's it's the, here's the way it's going to go. He starts going his own way. You're right. He's breaching the agreement more than CM Punk is breaching. I think CM Punk would have paid a DT had he had Cabana stuck to the game plan. And no one's really talking about that. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. And you know what? To a few people in the chat that 
think that this is boring. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> real life. Try being in the courtroom with re- these guys when this goes to court. Yeah, real life and real talk and real situations, unfortunately, are not, you know, really exaggerated for entertainment purposes. I know when you watch Crime and Investigation, and I know when you watch Court TV, and I know when you watch the BET Network or the USA Network or fucking TNT, that you will see something that is based on facts, but, you know, things were changed a little bit for entertainment purposes. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. giving it to you straight up real life. We're not going to fucking lie and emphasize and sugarcoat things just because it sounds sexy. Yeah, exactly. So please. Exactly. So, so anyway. Sorry, sorry this is not a sexy case. Yeah, it's not a sexy case, but you know, we're looking we're we're looking at it like two adults examining it, giving our opinions on it, and we're not gonna be one of these goofballs out there that are just gonna be like, Wow, CM Punk's a dick. Ah, he's a he's an asshole. He went back on his friend. How fucked up is that? How many of you out there read websites and fucking tweets and blogs and podcasts that are like, wow, CM Punk, he's a snake. He's a dick. He's notorious for doing this. What an asshole. What a schmuck. What a fucking backstabber. What a what an Indian giver. An Indian giver. Get the fuck out of here. I hope, I hope maybe you changed some minds tonight, DT. Maybe you did and maybe I did. Oh. Like I said, I changed my mind and uh, I'm seeing it from both sides and I'm seeing where where is the responsibility. If he is going to reap the reward, no risk, but all reward doesn't really exist in business, does yeah, it, DT? No. And, and it's funny because I've been having a lot of like aspiring podcasters like, when do I make money? And I'm like, uh, you know, for six, about, about 15 years. Yeah, in. I, exactly. It took me 16 years to even get fucking oh 20 bucks. You, you know, Christ. you if you're going to do uh. this, you have to take some responsibilities. And honestly, I don't see where Cole Cabana took any. I don't see where he took any. It's going to be a good debate tomorrow, but I think you're you're on the side of right on this well, one. Well, there's a little tease of tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. shout out to our associate producers: Tygsy Bowers, Andrew Nine One Four, Brandon Davidson, Zach Spoonamari, Chris Harris, Razorback Rob, Jerry Stewart, Magic Johnson, Paul Woods Jr., Rich Maharg, Adam Demoy, Diogo Nobre, Johnny Marin, Michael Westfall, Brandon Foley, Villainous Havoc. Courtney Summers, the evil baker and the food truck guy, Chris Ant and Tom Molly, nice. Charles Lentz, Billy Taylor, Nico Time, John Stern, Hassan Al-Hashmi, Brett Webster, Aaron Walker, Aaron Kloss, Out Nahia, Anthony Smith, James Grusom, Mark Israel, Matt Militia, Jeffrey Collins, Tim Everhart, Bob O'Mac, Sean DeMarsh, Lucia Dalban, Dan Hayes, Valdez, Mandingo Chamberlain, Josh Wilson, Jason Pratt, Toby DeShong, Scott Woodford, CJ Uihara, Crestman. By the way, Crest, we're both fried in, the, in the, that fantasy baseball league. <laughs> Man, this year we're fucked. James Deal, Donald J. Trump, Russell Zavala, Kenneth Hewlett, Merle Coombs Jr., Douglas McKay, Anna the Gay Banana, Julian LeBlanc, Brandon Rice, Frank O'Shea, Carl Buteau, a.k.a. Cheese of Rice, Spider Lewin, the metaphor, Isaac Fox, Marcus Antonius, Douglas McKay, Rob McCabe, Brian Byrne, and Daniel Warren, and uh, Michael Cuomo. Thank you, as always, for the support. I mean, they are associate producers. They really do um, have a lot of influence as far as what is covered on these shows. And Absolutely. We'll get into some more plugs a little bit later on. Uh, little tidbit. 
I don't know if people heard about this, but uh, Enzo Amore did an interview with TMZ. I think this is just Enzo getting attention on himself, but he is telling TMZ that he is done with wrestling, Mm -hmm. that uh, not in a million years is he going to return to the ring. There ain't nobody who's got enough dollars to put him back in a wrestling ring. Do you think that's actually true? No, I don't think that's true. I think down the road, if this hip-hop you know, rap career doesn't work out, which I don't think it is. I already think the steam is off of him. Uh, the, you know, the people's memories fade and their interest fades real quick. Um, you know, I understand he had a lot of hits and downloads you know, when he posted stuff up. And a lot of people looked into it. But I think it's going to fade quick. The WWE machine is uh, very important in a lot of people's lives. You know, Cody Rhodes, you know, stayed in wrestling and went on to do things. and another, But wrestlers who have left and done other things, I can name a few who have been successful. Trish Stratus, who are much bigger stars than him. He was a star for about a year. I mean, I, how, how, long is, how, long is, how long can you cash those chips, DT? WWE on top for a year? Is that is that a lot? You get a lot of years out of that, DT? Uh, not really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so I, I think he'll be back in the wrestling ring. I think if he's injured and literally has, he's talked about that he's got a lot of injuries for a young guy who's not been wrestling that long. Um, I think he's going to need to do appearances. He'll do wrestling conventions eventually. But right now, you know, let him do what he does. And, and when he puts out uh, material, see if it sells or not. And then he'll decide if uh, wrestling is his calling again. He's still young. He's still a very young guy. I, I tell you. You know, I saw what he said on TMZ, and although I think his mind will be changed. Remember, um, what's his face? Uh, he's an impact now. Um, Brett Schwann. Yeah. Uh, Brett Schwann. Wait, Brett Schwann was a hotline host. Rich Schwann. No, no, no. The Rich Schwann. Brett yeah, Rich Schwann. Schwann. Rich, yeah, I was like, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. Rich Schwann, remember, he was done with wrestling. Yep. And he came back, and he's an impact, and he's actually fucking on fire. You know, Um, can't say the same for Impact Wrestling, sadly, but he's doing well. I think down the line, you know, Enzo, we'll see what happens. But I will say this. When I heard his comments with TMZ, my first reaction is, I wonder if he's going to get a lawyer and sue WWE for wrongful termination. Yes, we've discussed this before, but I wonder if now he's going to claim that 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 termination, that wrongful termination ruined his career. Yeah, that's true. That's good. That's a good point. I'm curious to see if this ends up with a lawsuit. I'm very, very curious. And there's got to be lawyers out there that are willing to take that case. Oh, I agree. Well, then speaking of ex WWE employees, did you see this tweet by uh, Selena Vega the other day, which I thought was pretty interesting, putting it pretty much out there about her ex boyfriend, the uh, Impact Champion Austin Aries. She's she's uh, she's the opposite of Nikki Bella. Uh, I guess, but yeah, I mean, well, just to let people know if they didn't see it, this was on August 11th, a couple days ago, WWE SmackDown Live superstar Selena Vega posted the following on Twitter in response to a fan who had mentioned her previous relationship with the current Impact champion Austin Aries. This is what she said, uh, quoting, I'm going to say this once. We are not, in capital letters, together and have not been together for a very long time. We were certainly never, in capital letters, married nor engaged. Now, I heard they were engaged. That's interesting. Uh, Austin Aries on interview said that they were. I've moved on a long time ago and do not wish to be associated with him. So, obviously, there's some heat there. She's not big on him. Well, you know what? I, I've said this many times over the years. I I totally understand that wrestlers and, you know, valets, divas, whatever you, you know, across yeah. the, the gamut. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to answer every claim that is out there, put out there by a fan. But 
something of this magnitude, this is something that should have been put out there a long time ago. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, when... when <clears throat> well, she's blowing up now, DT. She's getting more high profile. Right. Now. But, yeah. you know, when something that big is never, like, discussed, I mean, you don't let it firm it. You don't let it instill in people's heads. And then if you actually read her comment, she almost sounds annoyed, like... For the for the last time, you know, yeah, exactly. Think, yeah. You know, no, this is your fault for not addressing this a long time ago. You should have mentioned it briefly. Something, where, you know, and and I don't want anybody to say, well, she really never had a chance to say it. I, no, no. I mean, there's the you could fucking invent a reason to say something. Look at like I said, look at Nikki Bella. I joked on Twitter about two weeks ago. I said. You know, how soon before Nikki Bella reminds us that she's not dating John Cena anymore? And sure enough, one week later, she's online reminding everyone she's not dating John Cena anymore. That is just fucking someone who is desperate. She's a junkie for attention. She's a nice woman. She's a role model for a lot of people. But when you see stuff like that, that is a junkie looking for attention that, you know, okay, you know, things with me and Cena are fizzling a little bit, you know, that the news is going away. People aren't noticing anymore. So, you know what? Let me go out there and say to everyone, we're still broken up. We don't fucking care. You broke up, you move on, you know, and basically that's it. You just done, you know, but again, with, with this Vega chick, you know, you should have said it a long time ago so it doesn't fucking get in a whole bunch of people's heads that you're still together. Yeah, it's interesting. And like I said, I know I've heard, I heard an interview with him saying that that was his fiance. So I don't know why she's saying we were never in, never in capital letters, never engaged. I don't blame her for not saying it at the time because Mm -hmm. it sounded like they were still together. Mm -hmm. But the minute they broke up and this, and trust me, it's not that everybody just all of a sudden said, hey, you're still together with them? No, this is something that is probably tweeted almost every day somewhere online somewhere. Just for some reason now, she's like, you know what? Let me just say this once and for all. Whose fucking fault is that? It's her fault. Sure. What do you think about DT? And I'm, I want to bring this up too because Rob Van Dam commented on what his status is with WWE, and he chose to address it to just random people writing to him on Twitter, which I think is interesting because of star of Rob's category. You think he would caliber? You think he would talk about it on a podcast or something? And he tweets out this stuff, and it you know it makes the rounds and it goes viral sometimes. Well, Rob Van Dam was commenting about what his relationship is and what his status is with the, the WWE. How come we're not seeing him back? Uh, someone had said to him, like, you haven't been in a WWE ring in years, at least not on TV, right? And then Rob Van Dam said, last time we talked, referring to the WWE, my time was worth more to me than to them. That hasn't changed. So I guess they did hit him up, and the money wasn't right for Rob. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, unfortunately for Rob, there is a lot of up-and-coming stars right now, and if he was to be brought back, he is going to be used uh, more to put, you know, let, let me say it like this. You look at Shelton Benjamin. Yeah. And I'm reading people out there writing, uh, look how they treat Shelton Benjamin. He's dropping yeah. him out. Shelton Benjamin's role coming back was to help build the stars of tomorrow. Shelton yeah. Benjamin is in his 40s already. All right. Rob Van Dam is in his 40s already. So, yes, you know, we still want to envision these guys as what they were in the early 2000s. But at the end of the day, 
they are in their 40s. And sure, 40s is not over the hill in any way, shape, or form. Well, but, DT, because they see, sorry to cut you off, because they see what Chris Jericho's doing, but you and I know that's very rare what Chris Jericho's doing. It's very doing. rare. And yeah. Rob Van Dam right now would be utilized to put over others. And he feels that his net worth should be more, especially if he is going to be there primarily to put others over. And mm -hmm. WWE doesn't see it that way. WWE is giving Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy, you know, more uh, victories because they can still do it. And I still think Rob Van Dam could do it. But in WWE's eyes, they, you know, Rob Van Dam isn't needed to them as much as Rob Van Dam thinks he's needed there. Yeah, so they're at a standstill, and it's he's only getting older. Time is only only going on, but uh, you know, you know, DT. One day we can hear that music, and uh, Mr. Monday Night can make an appearance. At some Absolutely, point. look, quick mm -hmm. payday here and there. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to compare it to Macho Man, but in the mm -hmm. early two thousands. You know, everybody wanted to see Macho Man have one last run in the WWE, and this was around the Spider-Man movie, and Being Man came out and mm -hmm. all that, and a lot of people felt like, wow, they're like so far apart on money, you know, but meanwhile, the years are going by, the years go by, and unfortunately, he, he passed on, but, you know, they're on opposite ends of the contract spectrum, but meanwhile, he's not getting any younger, and the next thing you know, you know, he's just too, you know, too old. It's true. So... You know, it's a shame, but that's that's business. And, you know, what's sad about it, too, is you look at the net worth of WWE right now and the crazy amount of money that they're making with the advertising deal and the TV deal and all that. You would think, okay, you know, you could spend a little bit extra money to bring in RVD or someone else, but they still choose not to do that because WWE doesn't see... I think WWE feels that other wrestlers could get over by having other people put them over, like... Rob Van Dam losing to some of the roster right now, I don't think is going to make uh, a may, much more bigger impact than if somebody loses, let's say, Jeff Hardy. Or That's somebody true. wins yeah. against Jeff Hardy, I should say. Agreed. So um, we're going to get into SummerSlam predictions in a moment. Yes. For those that didn't hear, and this is just terrible, Impact's rating this week dropped all the way down to 168,000. Jeez. It, that is just, I mean, it's sad because their product lately has been much it's better. I've enjoyed it. I've, I've watched it. I know they were, you know, taped a while ago on the can, but they, they've been good. I think that's the reason. I think yeah. that's the reason. I mean, it, unless not every match could be a Pentagon match, and um, it's nothing against, you know, any Austin Aries or anyone else there, but, you know, when you look at, you know, other shows and TV and other feds out there, you know, am I really like, oh my, I can't wait to see this Austin Aries match that happened five weeks ago, six weeks yeah. ago. And it, he's not to blame to it. Doesn't anybody else could have been out there, but you know, Pentagon, very unique character, other wrestlers, some of them have just a unique look to themselves. Sammy Callahan. Sammy, Cal yeah, Sammy Callahan. I mean, they just had uh what's her face. Um, Oh man, I'm trying. She just won the fucking the knockouts title. Uh, what are you talking Tessa about? Tessa Blanchard. Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, yeah she's, she's, the, she's the she's the hot chick right there right now. She's the number one woman. Yeah, there. and you know some people's reaction was you know they blowing their load too fit too quick with her, and it sounds like they're trying to generate a little buzz here and there. But again, you think back to I as ridiculous as this sounds, the way they treated Pentagon's title reign. I think really, really hurt them because 
it got so much attention online when he won. And I remember yeah. a lot of people writing about how great the match was. He won the title and this is and that. And that was a pay-per-view where people spent like 40 bucks to watch that. So everybody's really entered energetic. Wow, you know, awesome pay-per-view. He won the title. And then less than 36 hours later, he lost it. So it yeah. felt like that they did that, you know, yeah, to pop the pay-per-view. But then 36 hours later, he didn't have the belt anymore. And on TV, they tried to play it that he had the title for about three months. So yeah. when when you realistically realize that he only had the belt for 36 hours and Impact Wrestling don't want to put a title history on their website because then it forces them to reveal how short some title reigns are, that it's just stretched out on TV for perception. You know, unless there's a match that people like, holy shit, did you hear what happened in this match? Fucking blah, 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 blah. So then when it finally airs on TV, people are like, oh, that was the match that everybody told me. I got to see that. I got to see that. You don't have that buzz with Impact Wrestling. So this pre-recorded and, you know, nothing really coming out of it where people are like, oh, my God, you have to see this. You have to see this. No, this unfortunately, that's not the case. And, you know, it's their, the ratings tanked. Well, you know, also, DT, what I think is a problem, and, and I like the fact that they can go work other places and use the gimmick and everything. I watched the MLW TV taping, well, TV show uh, last week because I was I wanted to see Brian Pillman Jr., who's by going, by the way, uh, now by the name The Loose Cannon Kid, which I think is a pretty cool name, um, you know, echoing his father's gimmick, doing The Loose Cannon. And you saw Pentagon on there, and you saw other people from Impact on there. And they're kind of bouncing around and able to go to different territories. They're not really locked into impact as a as a mainstay. I think Tessa Blanchard is, but a lot of them, a lot of the guys on that show are on the MLW show, yeah, using see, the same gimmick. So it's like, you know, I, I don't know. Do you think that hurts too, uh, DT? Well, because then they're seeing more modern product on another TV show. Oh, I can watch the five weeks ago taping where this guy. I know the results because I've seen them written all over online. I, I don't. Why can't they just tape new episodes, DT? Why does it have to be in the can all the time for Impact? Because a lot of the people that perform on there aren't don't live in Canada. They're not just, you know, yeah. happen to be in the neighborhood and they're going to record. That you know. sucks, yeah. It's just, it's, you know, they, they do these tapings and they try to tape two months worth of TV. And, you know, unfortunately, MLW and these other feds are not taking away ratings from... No, not taking away ratings, but but, no, but, but, they, but, but it's not, you know, they're, they're, they're getting guys aren't, there's no exclusivity to, yeah, you, know, that's, that, well, you know. That's what I was going to say. They're not taking away ratings where someone is choosing oh, I have a choice between blah or blah, so I'll choose this one over that one. What's happening is, is when you have all these feds and you see this person wrestling on four different products, you know, then it doesn't feel like that this person is exclusive for any one product, and it's hard to get behind that person. You know, no, you're right. It's true. I, I watched MLW basically because I wanted to see Pillman Jr., and I, I didn't even realize that Tony Schiavone and uh, Matt Stryker were the announcing team for that group. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. it just, you know, it just feels like it feels like another indie fed. Yeah, it does. It feels like, and it's, it's, you know, it is, it's that expression DT for uh, impact one step forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's like they, they seem like they're, wow, it's getting better. Even a couple of weeks ago, people, other podcasters, you got to, did anybody see impact and, and the Conan angle with the new uh, group against the old school? And then it's, uh, you know, here come the ratings and it's miserable again. You know what I mean? It's, no. it's, it, Notice how Impact Wrestling didn't try to plan events WrestleMania weekend in uh, this neck of the woods. Yeah, why? You know, I mean, and and even if they are, 
you know, they are the ones that should have been the focus, not New Japan and Ring of Honor. Yes, New Japan and Ring of Honor are putting out a much better product because it doesn't feel like anything is being held back. But when it comes to Impact Wrestling, it just feels like that they're trying to put five pounds of baloney in a two-pound bag. It's true. Why do you think Impact didn't team up uh, for that uh, garden thing? Maybe they weren't invited. They looked at it as an outsider. They're trying to do their own thing. They don't want to be part of that. They, Ring of Honor and New Japan didn't need Impact Wrestling. No, I figured they could get some of their guys who, who would they be can. valuable. They already can. Yeah. I mean, you look at the card. You have uh, wrestlers that are already wrestling for Impact Wrestling that are going to be on the New Japan Ring of Honor card. So why? True. And, and they're probably at All In as well. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of that, they just booked, I think, for All In, I think Kenny Omega versus Pentagon. Yes, that's true. That you know what I mean? Announced. So it's like, you know, keep, you cut out as many middlemen as possible so it's more money for yourself. True. Less people to pay, less people to get in the, you know, involved in making decisions. Yeah. By the way, just give a little heads up. It's just a random thing, but I figured I'd mention it. Uh, Goldberg's account got hacked. And the only reason why I'm saying is because there was a tweet up there that made it look like that Goldberg had some money issues and there was like some type of PayPal address put up there. It's fake. It's fake. And you'd be surprised how many people that, you know, seen that and may have even thought about sending something because of, you know, the fans being Goldberg. So God bless the wrestling fans, right? Jeez. Yeah. So uh, don't forget, later this week uh, on Patreon, you'll be doing Castle Chronicles. Uh, The silver and gold giveaways are up there right now. The drawings will be Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Earlier today, I put up another test vlog. It's basically yours truly on location. few people wanted to see my podcast set up on location. So there's a little video clip there for those that want to check it out. And pay-per-view predictions will be posted on Friday. So everyone that wants to take part in the contest, make sure you check out the prize wall. Uh, I am going to be updating the prize wall on Thursday. Uh, The last contest, the Undertaker figures were claimed. So I'm going to put a new prize in its place and... I might actually pull out some uh, autograph memorabilia to Heart Foundation to put on the prize wall. So nice. I got to see what I have in uh, the back pocket to see what we could put up there. So Very cool. Want to get into SummerSlam predictions? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, kickoff pre-show. The Revival versus the B Team for the Raw Tag Titles. For some reason, I think they're going to finally give it to the Revival. The Revival are going to pull off an upset um, so I'm going to go with the Revival. I just have this crazy feeling that they're going to, you know, with, uh, the B team is on a roll and the Revival's, I'm just going to go with the Revival. I just have a feeling they're going to do some sort of uh, surprise thing where uh, people are not going to expect it. They just debuted that music, the entrance theme, the new one for B team, which actually I think it's okay. I know yeah. some people hate it. Yeah. it's <laughs> You know, they hate the generic music. So finally yeah. we got music that sounds like it was custom made for a wrestler or a team and people are like, I don't like it. You know, it's not great, but I have no problem with the music. So you think that's telling that they're going to retain? Yeah, the the fact that they just have new music and they're trying to get the crowd to, it almost feels like Lucha, Lucha. Now it's B team, B team. Go, go, go. Yeah, Yeah, so I think, um, you know, that theme music, they wanted to catch on with the fans. They want the fans to chant it. They want everybody to get into it. You keep the, the belts on them for a little bit longer. So I go with B team. Okay. Drew Gulak versus Cedric Alexander kickoff show for the Cruiserweight title. Keep in mind the rumors recently that, uh, well, not rumors, but those couple of little old tweets came out of Cedric Alexander saying some jokes about rape. 
didn't really get much play because people out there are just trying to find any reason to pull dirt on someone. Uh, so the reason why I mention is because we don't know if WWE is, is annoyed in the least bit that these old tweets of Cedric Alexander joking about rape came out. So we don't know if there's going to be any ramifications coming out of that. So with that said, do you think uh, Cedric retains or Gulak is your new Cruiserweight champ? No, I think Cedric will retain. I don't think, you know, Gulak is a, an interesting character. I just don't think they'll put the belt on him. I would love to see Gulak get that title. I, I he's, just, he's not bad. He's not bad. I just, I, I don't know if that's the time they're going to give it to yeah, him. Yeah, no, no, no. I agree with you. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like Cedric Alexander, you know, needs that belt longer, even though he's had it for a little while now. But you just kind of feel like, you know, and plus Drew Gulak's from this neck. You know, I'm going to go with Drew Gulak just for the fuck of it. You know, I know that there's somebody on our Twitter that likes to post all our predictions. You know, I, I personally don't like that, and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of my predictions are more what I would like to see, you know, not necessarily what I think the outcome is going to be. I right. want to see Drew Gulak win. It's his neck of the woods. I think Brooklyn would probably give him a really nice big pop. Yeah. I, you know, okay. Do, okay. I, I think Cedric will retain, but I want to see Drew Gulak win. I agree with that. Kickoff pre-show as well. Rusev and Lana versus Zelina Vega and uh, Cian Almas. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, give the crowd something to cheer about. Going to go with Rusev and Lana. Yeah, I mean, lately it just felt like it's been really on the side of uh, Vega and Almas. You kind of feel like uh, you got to give Rusev and Lana something. Yeah, they got to get a win. And I think at that in that era, the Rusev day is going to be – you know, monstrous chance, and then they give the crowd something to cheer yeah, about. So I, I I, yeah, I go with Rusev and Liner as well. Um, Finn Balor versus Constable Corbin. Uh, the little engine that can't. Uh, <laughs> Finn Balor. Ah, um, jeez. Oh, uh, I think they split victories and losses already, like one apiece, I think, on the big matches. I'm going to go with Finn Balor. Ben from G-Town. That what I said about Gulak is what you say when you predict something wrong. I don't fucking give a shit if I predict that match wrong. I'm not gonna fucking slip my wrist because I predicted the match wrong. I want to see Gulak win. So if I have to be more specific for you, yes, I predict Gulak will win. Is that good? All right. Um, what we Balor versus Corbin? Corbin. Yeah, Balor's got to get it. Balor looks like he's getting jacked a little bit more. Feel like doesn't doesn't look like he gained like five or ten pounds. He does. Yeah, it does. I'm going with Balor. Uh, probably going to be an early match. If it's an early match, you kind of feel like there might be a little cash in later. Money in the bank briefcase on the line. Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens. I'm still going with Braun. Everyone, uh, the the thing of Kevin Owens overcoming and 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 you know getting the, a repush out of nowhere, winning the the briefcase and cashing in and winning the title. It sounds great. I just don't think that's the way they're going here. I think you know how, how come on Braun has got to have his day. So Braun retains. I mean uh, Braun wins that match and keeps the briefcase. You know it's funny. For weeks I said you know Kevin Owens he took that dive off the cage. Yeah. I don't understand why Braun is being such a dick, tormenting this guy, turning <laughs> cars upside down. Braun's a, Braun's a heel. I don't know. Yeah, yeah not- Braun's acting like a total asshole. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? You know, you turn the corner. This is like a little momentum for Kevin Owens. You give him the briefcase and cash in. But now I got this feeling like 
This whole thing with the briefcase was simply to make Braun Strowman's match sound more interesting than what it is. Not saying that Strowman versus Owens is not interesting, but when you already had a fucking cage match where he fucking fell off the top of the cage through a table, it's like, okay, how do you... You you didn't feel backwards. Like, when we were kids and we watched wrestling, you'd have two or three matches at the Garden. The first match would be a regular match. The second match might be a little gimmick match. And then the third match, the blow-off would be either Cage or Texas Death or some stipulation that that's where the feud would end. So now they, it's like what they're doing, I think, they like what they did with Charlotte and, and Sasha Banks that time. They already did the fucking Cage. So it's like, okay, this match feels a little out of place. So how do we make this match sound more interesting than what it actually is. And I think the briefcase was kind of put there to give it that suspension of, okay, you know, he might lose the briefcase. So with that said, I say Strowman keeps the briefcase. Yep. New Day versus Bludgeon Brothers. SmackDown tag titles. Uh, I think they're going to put it back on the New Day. I'm going to go with New Day. I do not like that idea. I have nothing against New Day, but... I don't understand why they're actually back in the title picture again, so I think Bludger Brothers will retain. Uh, Let's see what we got here. Jeff Hardy versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the U.S. title. Jeez, Jeff Hardy's been beaten up and down and all around by everybody the last few weeks, especially Randy Orton, Nakamura. Uh, Jeff Hardy's been on the defensive. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I want to go with Jeff, but I have a, again, I have a feeling Jeff, as you were saying about the Rob Van Dam types, Jeff is here more to now put people over as is Matt, uh, and it's showing more and more week by week. So I'm going to go with Nakamura. I think there's any chance on SmackDown tomorrow they put Orton in there and make it a three way? Uh, I think there's a very good chance. Just don't understand. If that's the case, if that's the case uh, yeah. I go Randy Orton. Yeah, I mean, it, I kind of just feel like if Orton is not in this match, he's going to cost Jeff Hardy to win. I'll say Jeff Hardy by DQ. Okay. You know, I think um, Shinsuke will retain. Um, Shinsuke's going to retain no matter what, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah that's, does, it's too soon to take the belt off. Does he actually pin Jeff Hardy? That's the question. But um, Shinsuke will retain. Great. Um Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. Uh, I want I, I, what I want to see happen is The Miz get a fucking victory for once in his goddamn life. Um, but I know that Daniel again, the crowd there, I, eh, they're gonna go. Daniel Bryan's gonna take it. You know, this is so like tough because I wanted to see this hype up to WrestleMania. I'm a little annoyed that they're doing it this soon. Yes, we heard for all intents and purposes that. Daniel Bryan is all but, you know, ready to sign a new agreement with WWE. The fact that they booked this match so early instead of WrestleMania makes me a little concerned. But the fact that Miz has his reality show out there and it's got such great momentum, you kind of feel like Miz should get the victory for a little momentum. I agree. Um, But Daniel Bryan, you know, he defeated Kaz. It's not like Daniel Bryan's been on a big losing streak. So you, so I actually, I want to see Miz win, win this one. I want to see him win, but I just know the way they're going to go, and especially with the contract thing and gesture of good faith. Miz is always a good soldier to lose all the time and take the pen. Just going by the way they do things over there, I'm just going with Daniel Bryan, but I'm not happy about it. Okay. <laughs> Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler, icy title. Uh, hmm. That's a tough one. 
I would like to say, see, I'm calling too many people to take titles. Um, I'm going to go with Dolph retains because there's a possibility of Dean to turn, but I still think after tonight, maybe they're going to say, you know what, we need this guy to to sell merch and get over. We're not going to turn him right now. But I'm going to go with Dolph Ziggler retaining. I don't know how, but uh, Rollins isn't going to win the belt. Uh, Dolph Ziggler is going to keep it. You know why I kind of think – after thinking about what we said earlier, why I think uh, Dean Ambrose very possible he'll turn mm-hmm. because they didn't give a week on TV for him to cut a promo. You know what I mean? Like if he would have yeah. returned, oh, you, let me say it like this: What was dumb about tonight's Raw is they decided to do a contract signing a couple of days before the pay per view. This match was announced weeks ago. Right. So the contract signing, if you just follow previous storylines with any feud, the contract signing is usually earlier. Mm-hmm. They waited until now, and it was done because in that contract signing that Seth Rollins could have someone in his corner. If they would have done that signing a week or two ago, Dean Ambrose could have cut out, come out then. Then he would have had a week or two on TV, not necessarily to wrestle, but he could have cut a promo that he's back and this and that. The fact that he came out today, never got a chance to go on the microphone, makes me lean towards the idea he's going to turn on Seth Rollins and the first words out of his mouth are going to be on Monday why he did what he did. Yeah, I agree. So I say Dolph Ziggler retains. Uh, Triple threat for the SmackDown women's title. Becky Lynch versus Carmella versus Charlotte. Hmm. I'm going to go with Charlotte. Yeah, you think Charlotte was just thrown in there just so she could get the belt? No, my brother got me the personalized autograph, so I have a thing for Charlotte. <laughs> but uh, my my brother Mike met her at the convention a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, I saw that photo. Yeah, cool. and she wrote the Kevin Castle thing, which is cool. Um, no, I just think you know, bring putting Charlotte in there is because she's their girl. I mean, she's not the Roman Reigns of the female division. I think that's unfair. Um, she backs it up. She backs it up, and she's not just because she's Ric Flair's daughter. That's another thing. Talking about podcasts, talking of, out of their if, ass. Other than Asuka and Io Shirai, she's one of the most talented women. I wouldn't absolutely. Call- she's a big time player. She's not. She's not. Uh, she's not fucking with juiced in, as they say, because of legacy. That's bullshit. She's worked hard. I was so pissed off here in certain podcasts without a respect say, hearing that. I'm like, that's complete nonsense. There's no Roman Reigns. Of, that I don't see any of that there. That's what people just need to Roman tag Roman Reigns people. is forced. Charlotte is No, no, that's talented. what I'm saying. Yeah, DT, I'm glad you agree with me on that. I, was, I, was, I knew that you would say that. I, I wasn't sure, but... Um, again, when they say, oh, here, Ric Flair's daughter gets to waltz right in. Waltz right in? The girl has worked her ass off. It's not our, she was out injured, and she retains well, her spot in the top of the food chain. Well, I, I don't blame people for being upset because they felt Becky Lynch, it should have been a one-on-one, let her get the spotlight, let her get the belt back, and they feel like Charlotte was thrown in there because Becky Lynch on her own against Carmella is kind not of strong. Yeah, kind so, of. Boy, I agree. I agree. The company saw it as not, not up to par. They needed a little bit. Oh, why not put Oscar in there? Because uh, Charlotte Flair, I think, adds just a little I, bit more flavor, in my opinion. I go with what I said a couple of weeks ago. You have either Charlotte or Becky Lynch, who's a who hits their finisher or someone something on the other wrestler. They're about to go for the pin, but Carmella throws the person out of the ring, sneaks up and steals the pin from someone else. So I say Carmella retains. 
That's unbelievable. And and your what does it say? Your lips to God's ears. You're probably right. I want to go with with Charlotte, but I'm going to agree with you on that. I think Carmella retains, and the chorus of booze that rains down will rival Roman Reigns. Ah, uh, she's win. from Staten Island. She might actually get a decent pop. Yeah, but my, so many people give her the business on her her lack of oh, talent. Yeah. you know, yeah. I was really disappointed at the number of people that did not know that her father was a pro wrestler. Yeah, uh, enhancement talent back in, uh, what, wrestling superstars? Yeah, because last week was the anniversary of Razor Ramon's debut match, and his debut match in the WWF was against Carmella's father. Carmella is a second-generation wrestler, and you never have Like I, I said this on Breakfast Soup last week, unless your last name is Hart or Flair or Snooker, yeah. like if it's just Dow... It's like you're not mentioned at all. She's a second-generation wrestler, and I wonder how many people listening now did not know that. Yeah, no, I saw uh, they showed a clip, and then there's some, some stuff online. If you go, you could find her him in some uh, enhancement matches. Yeah, I mean, um, they've mentioned it once or twice in the past, but, you know, with Charlotte or Natty or someone else, we're reminded every week about their family lineage. I mean, when was the last time you heard on TV that Kamel's a second-generation wrestler? Never, virtually dude, never. Dude, dude, you should have watched MLW with the Pillman interview. My God. Well, they, they went overboard. I saw oh, they, they went overboard. The top. They, yeah, Even I mean, Pilman Jr. goes, well, I, I really haven't done much yet. So to be compared to my father is kind of crazy. I mean, I, I'm I'm new. Like even he was probably like, uh, yeah. He, we'll, we'll, look, we'll it was, it was nice to do. But I felt like if I was Pilman in real life, I would have been like, you want to suck my dick also while you're at it? You know, like, they just <laughs> went overboard. Come on. What'd you think about them teaming them with uh, Harry and. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's fine. The other, the other dude, New yeah. Foundation. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. It's cool. Um, Ronda Rousey versus Alexa Bliss, Raw Women's Title. Ronda Rousey, I, I just I think that's the big ovation. That's the big, you know, if you get the Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, I understand what's going to happen in that situation with the crowd. But I think on the opposite spectrum, I think big time like monster reaction. Ronda Rousey gets the belt from Alexa Bliss. I, I just I just think it's it, they have to do this. Originally, I go with what I said a month ago. Natty is going to turn on Ronda, causing her to not necessarily lose, but get DQ'd. It feels like WWE wants to make Ronda Rousey like Andre the Giant undefeated. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she's you know what I mean? So she's she's not going to get screwed over that quickly. If she gets screwed over, it's going to be a DQ. But I think because of the passing with Jim the Anvil, that you know Natty is not going to be involved in this storyline right now. No, so, I don't think so either. Yeah, so I think Ronda Rousey gets the title. Mm -hmm. uh, two more matches Universal title match Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar Reigns wins Maybe even in quick style fashion Maybe even like in like Goldberg style uh, That they don't let this go on long I think that would be a mistake with the chorus of booze And does nothing for Reigns Reigns wins in quick fashion But gets mugged up by uh, Braun Strowman and Braun Cashin It's just my, as a fan, I'm playing Booker Reigns wins the title but loses on a Cashin That's my prediction I think Reigns gets it because, like I said earlier, um, you look at if you take all their feuds, all their matches, and put it on a DVD. At the end of the DVD, up until right now, you'd be like, "Wow, <laughs> Reigns is Lesnar's bitch a times a thousand. <laughs> yeah, really? So he needs some, you know, retribution. This is the way to do it. Um, they might cover it up quickly by having a cash in. I think that. The fact that they're doing the briefcase stipulation, 
I don't think you're going to do that briefcase stipulation again. I think if that match takes place very early in the night, I think that's going to be a little heads up as far as something happened later on. Right. Uh, I say Reigns wins, but I, I'll tell you, the two scenarios that I would fucking pop for, by far, biggest pop in the night. I said this like a month ago on Breakfast Soup, pissed off a lot of people. Brock Lesnar, they announced a month ago that he was appearing on Raw the night after SummerSlam. I would love it if Roman Reigns won at SummerSlam and then Brock Lesnar invokes his rematch clause on Raw the next night and wins the goddamn title back. I would fucking, even though I am annoyed at the way WWE has treated that belt, that would be like, wow, WWE has a set of balls for doing that. And I would love that. But I don't know if we're going to see that. Um, another scenario is that Brock Lesnar retains at SummerSlam and then Braun Strowman, because remember, they announced Brock Lesnar for the night after. You think about it. If Brock Lesnar was going to lose and be done, there would be no reason for him to show up on Raw the next day. He don't give a shit about WWE and storyline. So why would he want need to be there the next day? So the fact that they announced him so early you know, in the month, last month, to be to be honest, that tells me that something is happening the following night with Lesnar. Like, he's just not going to invoke his rematch, lose, and he's done. No. I wonder if he retains at SummerSlam, gets his ass handed to him on Raw, and then Braun cashes in, or Kevin Owens cashes in, and then Brock loses on Raw, and then he's gone. That's true, you're right. Because if they're going to really destroy Brock Lesnar the following night, whether they put a thousand fucking bricks over his body or if it was something ridiculous in the back, put him in an ambulance and have a fucking 18-wheeler run it over or blow up the fucking car, you know, somebody's going to come out with the briefcase and pin him anyway. So, true. So maybe you destroy him, and while he's destroyed, somebody comes out and cash. So... I tell you, it's really, really interesting. I would love either one of those scenarios because I just would love the level of butt hurt Sunday night if he retained. <laughs> oh God, I would love the butt hurt. Think about the butt hurt that Roman Reigns wins on Sunday. People will be upset already. And then Brock Lesnar wins the following night again. It's like a double whammy. Like you you shot someone and then you decided to, to stab him as, as well. Oh, God. I tend, that would be something. That's I mean, that's an interesting prediction. Yeah. And I definitely haven't heard anybody so, else mention that. E- even though somebody on Twitter is going to put up all predictions, I'm going to go rogue and I'm going to say, even though it's probably not going to happen, I'm going to say Brock retains on SummerSlam, loses it the next night on Raw. Okay. Final match of the night for the WWE title, Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles. Ah, I'm going to go with Samoa Joe. Um, AJ, they can always they can always win it in a rematch, but I'm going to go with Samoa Joe. I think it is, this is the time if they're going to let someone beat AJ, it's going to be this guy at this time. Uh, but then again, I don't know if they want to do back-to-back uh, title switches in both uh, both uh, divisions. I, I don't know if they want to do that. Not that hasn't been done before. Uh, SummerSlam is the second biggest pay-per-view out of the big four next to WrestleMania, so perhaps they will do it. So I'm going to go with Samoa Joe. Yeah, I'm going with Samoa Joe too. As much as AJ Styles is the guy in WWE right now, oh yeah, he could still be the guy without the title right now, and Joe... 
you just kind of feel he's been on the back burner for a while, and I really would like for him to get this title. So, yeah, I go with Samoa Joe as well. Yeah, he was out injured twice in the last couple of years. So, I mean, this, again, if it's time to do it and he's healthy, Joe's also on the cusp of 40. I think he is 40. Uh, this is the time to, to give it to him and let him roll with it a little bit. Be that, you know, he cuts vicious promos as a heel champion, come get me kind of stuff. Why not? And then, AJ, like I say, they can always get it back down the road. Absolutely. So that is your SummerSlam card. And uh, once again, if you are part of our Patreon, definitely take part in the pay-per-view predictions contest this weekend. Even if you're not into wrestling collectibles and you're not interested in any of the collectible prizes, there is a cash prize. So you could mm. win money. You could win, you know, WWE Network. There's a whole, you know, and some of these prizes are worth hundreds of dollars. No, I know. Our prizes know, are top notch. Yeah. So uh, take part, you know, sign up for a month. You know, if everybody listen, and look, I, we would never force anybody out there right now to pay to hear our shows. Look, if it came down to it that we absolutely couldn't afford stuff anymore and everything had to be Patreon only, you know, then that would be the absolute last resort before going out of business. We don't see that happen anytime soon. Our supporters on Patreon, you know, really, really help us um, tremendously. But I say this just, you know, just for consideration. If every single person signed up even for just one month for five bucks, I mean, that would probably take care of our expenses for a year. Yeah, the guys, I mean, like I said, you five, know, so, you five know, dollars for DTKC. Yeah. One, so, one month trial. I mean, what, what what better bargain? And you can be eligible for all these things. Yeah. What, what, and hear all these shows and these throwbacks. Like I said, 17 years for me, 19, almost 20 years for DT. 21. Well, 21 with all these uh, different shows. Almost like endless, DT. We have stuff that you haven't even uh, put up for, uh, for listening, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, again... You know, like I said, for our young fans out there that are getting into the podcasting world, if you need a little advice as far as like equipment or websites or, you know, technical stuff, I mean, you know, I mean, don't ask me to fucking, you know, to take over your show and shit like that. Mm -hmm. But if you need like advice as far as what we use for equipment or, you know, how to put stuff online, you need a little assistance here and there. I mean, we're, we're definitely here for you. I mean... Um, I just get a kick out of some people who have asked us for help. And then what do they do? Oh, Monday night, right after Raw. Check out our podcast live. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's pretty much a dick move. I mean, yes, you know, we've cornered doing this live on Monday nights way before anyone else. But, uh, you yeah. know, it is funny when I see that sometimes. Hey, could you plug my show? I, and I kid you not, everyone. We'll leave you with this. I've had at least six times. Over the, over the last eight months, and that may not sound like a lot, but I've had at least six times where people said, hey, could you plug my show on the next show? And then I go on their website, and when does their show air? The same time we do. That's unbelievable. I, mean, I, mean, that's, I, I remember bigger shows airing up against us years ago that just faded away. I mean, I'm not naming any names, but I didn't even think twice about it because, you know, it's not like we have the, you know, listen, uh, if you want to be competitive, but, you know, take baby steps and, there's seven days in a week, and also, like I said, yeah. if you want smart business is to find a, a time frame and a, and a night that works for you yeah. and do that you way, just, you know? You have fun, keep <clears throat> things in perspective, and, you know, you just see where it goes. I mean, you know, unfortunately, especially with the way YouTube is treating podcasters right now, the idea of starting a show to make money, I mean, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. I mean, unless you have a, an absolute unique show you know, I mean, the shows that we plug, Texas Podcast Massacre, they do, they took about, uh, you know, like, 
pop culture, you know, horror films. It's a very mm -hmm. unique podcast. Dell's and his sneaker addict podcast. He's got a podcast up there right now. Him and Tommy Dream are talking about sneakers. Yeah. You know, it's just like it's something you didn't they talk about sneakers, but it's something totally unique. Rocked reviews, you know, they they cover metal music in a whole different way. Even soup. Soup is like a variety show that just so happens to talk about wrestling. Yeah. Um, Christ in a toy verse. They review like toys and comic books and they just reviewed my bobblehead. I mean, it's just really unique shows out there. So unless you have a really unique show or you you're just a hot piece of ass that everybody wants to look like <laughs> look at, I mean, you have to just have fun, be real to the people that follow you. And you have to build your reputation. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, and, I, and have some charisma. Don't be robotic just reading stuff and like just create your own personality. Yeah, there's nothing stuff. wrong with covering what people report, but you need to understand. Put your own spin on it. Yeah, yeah, put your own spin on it and understand what you're reading. I mean, understand and read. Like I said, the last two weeks, as trivial as it sounds, I can't tell you how annoyed I got looking at so many websites and podcasts that cover wrestling history and they treated Ron Simmons defeating Vader for the WCW heavyweight title and they treated Ron Killings defeating Ken Shamrock for the NWA heavyweight title as just another title change. Not even mentioning that Ron Simmons was the first ever black WCW champion, that Ron Killings was the first ever black NWA heavyweight champion because they didn't bother doing the research and see that, yeah, this is history. They reported it just as a regular title change. And yeah. that that just annoys me more than anything else. You know, just show that you are actually doing a little work because, you know, setting up a show and just reading other websites, what are you actually doing? You you're just an you're you're a human audible player with testicles or tits. I mean, it's really what it is. You go to audible.com and you pay the money and you hear somebody read a book to you. That's what you are. You're you're an audible with either tits or 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 testicles. So, you know, just understand what you're reporting. Do a little research. I'm sorry if the CM Punk Hulk Cabana discussion got a little boring earlier, but that's because we're giving you honest opinions and take on it. It's not so sexy. And, like and also, said. DT, how is it going to play out in court? Do you think it's exciting in there? You've been there. I've been there. No. I mean, uh, just like serving jury duty, do you think it's exciting? Court, court could be you know? very, very boring. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, we're going to give you our opinions. And, you know, we, we don't hold back. And, um, you know, but that's it. So... We we're pretty much out of time. We went over two hours. Oh, yeah, I expect. Yeah. I'm on location. I'm actually at the parents' house tonight. And uh, again, if you sign up on Patreon, you can actually see, you know, my place. I showed my little podcast setup over here on location. I actually nice. called the clip on location. So, Patreon.com/slash Don Tony. And uh, again, this Sunday we will have your uh, SummerSlam recap. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, I apologize. It looks like uh, I lost Kev just now. But if you want to check out This Week in Wrestling History, I will stream it momentarily. For everyone else listening on the download, thank you for the support as always. Follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD. The website, DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC Show. You could email me, DonTony at DonTony.com. And once again, Patreon.com slash DonTony. Everyone be well. Enjoy SummerSlam. 
Be back uh, Sunday night for our patrons with your SummerSlam recap. Monday, it'll be added to the DTKC show. Take care, everyone. Ciao. Tune out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com slash Nebbia. Free standard installation followed on lease option only. Not valid with a purchase option. Limited time offer. If you want lightning fast, high-speed internet, here's great news. HughesNet, America's number one choice for high-speed satellite internet service with fast speeds, no hard data limits, and built-in Wi-Fi gives you the high internet speed you want, no matter where you live. That's right. You can now get high-speed internet service from anywhere in the United States, no matter how bad your cellular service, with HughesNet's Gen 5 satellite high-speed service with built-in Wi-Fi, so you can now connect laptops and mobile phones. Call Satellite Country at 800-681-3876 right now to get incredibly fast and reliable internet service so you can shop more, share more, and connect more than ever before. Plus, call now and get standard installation for free. That's right, free. To try HughesNet high-speed internet at your home or office, call 800-681-3876. Join millions of happy HughesNet high-speed satellite internet service customers with free installation. Call 800-681-3876. That's 800-681-3876. 800 681 